All right, people. What's up? What's up? This is I've Got Questions. We are back. This is, I believe it's episode eight of this podcast series, season two. I am your host, Jeremy Jagger. And I actually, this time, for the first time ever, I have a guest, a guest speaker. I don't know if I want to call him that, but his name is Larry. Uh, I don't know. Did you? Okay. Hi, Larry. I don't know if you want me to say your last name. <laughs> um, Larry is fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, or say my last name. doesn't really matter. Well, he, he, you are a fashion designer. You are yes. an educator. Yes. Um, and I wanted to bring you on because you and I have many private discussions that um, we go very long in the tooth. Uh, talking about uh, various things and whatnot. And um, I've never, like I said, I've never had a guest on the show. So I definitely just randomly thought, let me ask Larry if he would like to get on. I forget what we were talking about the other day, but I was like, uh, yeah, me and him need to go ahead and uh, do some kind of conversation here. Um, so welcome. That was, uh, I, I feel welcome. Uh, I feel flattered. I feel Thank you. Uh, for the record, I win majority of those discussions and all the things Slash pointed out to people outside. I don't know about if there's a winner or a loser, but <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, there's a winner. Oh, so now I know this. I never knew that. <laughs> um, so you know, Larry and I, we do talk about various things, relationships, and um, politics, and and all kind of different things, and we don't always. Uh, agree. We definitely do not always agree, and we definitely go back and forth. And um, I don't know. I I didn't. I, I was thinking if I would start this with a monologue or not, because I, I I know I'm on your time, and whenever I'm uh, you know on someone else's time, I definitely don't want to just waste time. But um, I didn't think I wanted to start start this with a monologue per se, like I oh I've been starting to do. Um, Hmm. Yeah, nah. I mean, just, you know, kick it out like you would normally kick it out. Oh, I am. But I was thinking, should we talk about, like, dating or something real quick and, and whatnot? But, um... I mean, I'm down. I mean, I have nothing to Because my life, my dating life is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> my and you and I have talked about uh, dating and, and how the ups and downs of dating. Um, well, maybe we'll just spin off a little bit on it because this show, we're not going to start off um, so hot and heavy on uh, politics or human rights as I sometimes do. But um, maybe we'll talk about a little bit about. Um, so you used to live in Atlanta, um, as I do live in Georgia now. Um you lived in Atlanta, you said, for how long? I stayed in Atlanta from 2017 to 2019, till December 2019. No, July 2019. So about two years. Uh, yeah, about two, two, three years, yeah. Okay, well, why did you leave? I mean, that was pretty quick. Um, well, I left. I, one, I, it was not a plan to just, like, leave and stay gone. Uh, when I left, I left when my, my mother ended up... Um, being diagnosed with breast cancer in July. Oh, wow. Um, I was planning on going back to school, to Southern University, um, in A&M College, where I graduated from. Um, 
that following December. I plan on going back there and then returning back to Atlanta. But in November, October, November of two no November of two thousand and nineteen, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh wow! So I, I had like two people, two my both my parents had cancer. I was in in school uh, trying to graduate, and I was like, well, somebody has to be in uh, Mississippi just in case my parents need me or you know right. something goes south. So um, I stayed in Baton Rouge. I graduated when I graduated from Southern. I stayed in Baton Rouge until December of 2020, and I moved back home. Baton Rouge is Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes. Okay, okay. Because you know I'm not from here, so I was thinking that, but I was making sure. Um, now you live in Mississippi. Well. <laughs> Not from from Earth. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I was thinking um, Mississippi also had a Baton Rouge, but uh, no. Um, and and one thing we will be uh, uh, talking about later on in the show, I think I do have a a topic to talk about with uh, yeah yeah I do um, Mississippi because. You are in Mississippi, and there's been a lot of things going on in Mississippi. I'm sorry? I am in the ghetto of Mississippi. Well, okay. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't... Are you affected by... Well, no, we were talking about something. We're going to get into the water crisis in Mississippi a little bit later. Um, And he's someone who's on the ground, so there you go. Um, (laughs) I'm actually in Jackson right now as we speak, so yeah. Oh wow! Oh, so can you? Well, okay, so I'm gonna need you to turn on the faucet. <laughs> <laughs> the water's not around. I checked to see, but I did buy me some water. Okay. Uh, coming into this, so but yeah, we could definitely talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but because I have a few things <gasps> off of my chest. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, and I'm sorry for for anyone listening. That that is definitely my dog talking right now. Um, oh boy. This is how he starts off. This is great. But anyway, so we'll we'll move on past that. Um <sighs> Hey. Cut it out. This is the perks of uh home recording. So, um so how was your dating experience in Atlanta or Hot Atlanta? What, what do you think about What do you think about um well, I don't. I don't want to talk about what your sexuality is if you don't want to talk about it. Um, I don't care. That's. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I don't care. Right. Um. So, what what was your experience like in Atlanta? Um. You know, period. Your dating experience, and while you do that, uh, well, just talk for a second, and I'm gonna be right back. <laughs> well, first, um. Let me just say that I am a, a man of um, LGBTQIA plus um, identity. Um, I, so dating in Atlanta, being a gay man, is everything that people think that it is. <laughs> and what do you mean by that? Um, it is like so. A lot of people go to come to Atlanta and they think that, oh, well, it's like the, the gay mecca or the black mecca, black gay mecca, and it's men everywhere. So that is true. There there are a 
plethora of men to choose from and a plethora of men to choose you. However, they are all after. I would not going to say all because I'm not going to generalize the whole population, but majority of them are all all after the same thing, which uh, is um, sex. Okay. Um. So I knew that going into Atlanta because previous before moving there i used to visit Atlanta as a college student and as oh. a high school oh so you you were hot on the town no i was not hot on the town my sisters live in Atlanta. i have two blood sisters that stay in Atlanta. okay and they've been there since like 2005 right so <laughs> i used to visit for the summers as a teenager so i knew what gay what dating as a gay gay man was like in that age, even though I wasn't out, I still like I like men. And I saw certain things that I probably should not have witnessed <laughs> as a gay, as a teenager. Right? Okay, what do you mean? Can we get one example of something you probably shouldn't have witnessed? So, like, as a, I think that a lot of times that men get a gay men get a um, an image of over a hypersexuality, right? As a gay man, like, as a, as a little boy, as not a little boy, as a teenager who's growing up, I saw a lot of the friends that I made um, have, like, multiple men coming mm-hmm. in and out. Now, now, okay, so now you're saying as a younger person, you've seen yeah. that, but were those men older men? Those, yeah, they were older for me, that mostly they were older, so they were, like, I was probably, like, 15, 16. Oh, wow. They were, like, 17, 18, 19. Okay. So you could say basically older. Well, not um, not older men meaning thirty. No, not thirty. Of course not. But you well, know, there were men that were coming in that probably like twenty five, twenty six. Got you. Time, you know what I mean? Got you. Got you. So they were like they introduced me to like uh, during that time except for the sell my age. During that time, uh, it was like BGC Adam for Adam. Okay. So they would like meet them on. Uh, or the, 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 the chat line. Mm. So do you feel that, you know, and especially today, I think that with social media and whatnot, um, I mean, even, I guess it would be multiplied at this point, right? Um, yeah. Do you feel that, that young black men are maybe... I don't want to say danger in such a such a uh, extreme way, but I mean, hell, it, it is extreme because a lot of these people, young men, young boys, don't have an example to really follow. Do you feel maybe there's a lot of danger for 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 these young LGBTQI plus people? Yeah, um, I don't, I think that there's the danger is coming from ignorance. Um, we don't have a lot of well, and I, and I mean well, like as far as mentally, like well people or emotionally well people guiding and teaching our black gay young men. Right. Um, so you deal with the so before you even get to a person that is well thinking, you or you 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 meet like a whole bunch of sickos. Mm. What do you mean by sickos? Like you meet people who like are in the 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 mode to just groom young mm. guys or to like uh, date a younger guy and mm. you're like 35, 34 and you're trying to date someone that is 18, 19. Like right. what? Like, come on. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so 
And that was my, my thing is because you wasn't you weren't accepted at that age or you was DL at that age. You're trying to relive a, a lifestyle or a life that you can't get right now. You know mm. that you that you've missed. Mm. So you're trying to live it. And my thing is, I would never take away that experience from anyone. Right. Never. You know. Like, you know, I really, I, I, you know, me and you have never talked about this particular uh, subject, and I've really thought about that myself. Um, you know, because I'm in the in the LGBTQI plus uh, spectrum as well, and I've really thought, like, you know, I, sometimes there will be someone very young who hits on me, and it's kind of, you know, I feel like it's weird in a way too, because I feel like, you know, definitely, you know, what you're talking about, I dealt with. Um, where I was young and the person who I ever first was really intimate with at that point was older than me. Um, so that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I guess that's, that's just, I, I guess it would be worldwide how, what we deal with because of, do you feel that we deal with that because we, we have to hide so much? I think so. I think that we deal with that because of um, that point of accept. Like, I feel like you don't really get a chance to grow up. Right. Until, like, when you're gay, you don't get a chance to really grow up until you are out. And meaning, meaning grow up, you're meaning, like, there's no steps. It's just, like, bam and bam, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you don't get a chance to grow Like, when you're DL, you're hiding in a closet doing all these things and, and and you know you're you're trying to play the spectrum of being a straight man and right. you don't get a chance to really grow up right like because you don't really you're not free like you're not yourself right you're not who you are so you 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 are put into a box and if you know anything that is put into a box it can't grow right it'll grow only big enough to to like burst out of the box yeah, to fit in that box. Yeah, only fit in, yeah. Right. And matter of fact, a perfect example, I'm trying to think of the animal. I think it's a turtle. Mm. It's a turtle. If you put a turtle, like, in a, in a I'm not sure if the animal, or whatever the, the, the animal is, if you put it in, like, a, a container mm. or a small container, it will only grow to a size that is befitting of that container. Mm. Mm. And I think that as gay men, we are that person, as gay black men, we are put into that box right. where we are allowed to grow. So we don't get a chance to really grow like completely grow. Like completely like be our biggest potential. Yeah, you know, uh, thinking of two points I have. Um because I was looking at uh this I guess this came out yesterday night or, or something. I don't know if you've seen the picture of Zaya I don't know, Zaya Wade. Is that how you say her name? Um is it Zaya? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. So, did you see those pictures yeah. that came Dwayne, out? Dwayne Wade's, um, yeah, so that's Dwayne Wade's daughter. Um, did you see the pictures that came out? Mm-mm. Okay, you, well, you you have. Uh, can you see on your phone? Um, uh, yes. And I'll, uh, guys, for for those listening, I'll try to put up a picture during this uh, conversation because there was this this picture came out last night. Um, and the first thing I actually thought about was, wow, she's really pretty, but there's going to be people online here who are going to fetishize her 
or fantasize about her. And she's really, I believe, 13 or 14 years old. Um, she is. She should be about 15 or 16 now. Okay. I mean, but still. Yeah, um, but still, still too young to be in a situation like that. And, and, and I wonder if her name is... is, is but, but, try to, try to uh, go on, on Instagram and find that picture. Um, because I want you to see it and why, why I'm bringing it up. Um, so when I went on YouTube this morning, there was a um, a pretty popular uh, LGBTQI channel who who does uh, a lot of ballroom kind of stuff, and I and I've gotten into ballroom over the last year watching it and whatnot. You know, it's pretty fun and what's and whatnot. It takes a lot of agility, but um, the first thing they said was, oh oh damn, I wish I had the exact words. They said something about. This treat is going to like a look at this treat, this young treat that, you know, it's, it's going to be growing into, you know, something else when they get older. And I and I felt that that word treat was just so gross. You, you it know, it's like that, 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 like, yeah, like, you have to be aware of what you like. And they could have meant no harm by it, but you right. have to. That's like saying, oh my God, she's going to be so pretty when she grows up. Yeah. Like, you know, some people say that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I've heard, I've heard grown people say, oh my God, he's going to be so, he's going to be a heartbreaker when he grows up. So, you know, that's that's the equivalent of saying that. But at the same time, you know, I think that is, you have to be aware of what you say because words mean things. Yeah. And it, it just was so strange to me to to say something like that. Um, I think she's really pretty. Yeah. She's really, really pretty. And, um, you know, there's a lot of comments that are coming out about her, um, and I can't even pull it up. Um, what I, I want to get the exact word. I, the definite word was treat in there, but I was trying to get exactly what they said, but I'm not going to be able to get it. Um, but, I, you know, going back to what we were talking about with grown... Oh, here it is, actually. Here it is. So, can I show you? No, I can't show you. Uh, it says, stay tuned for this future treat. Yeah, that doesn't feel okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that does not feel okay. It, it was so strange to me to, for someone to say something like that. Um, yeah, so I think that uh, especially, you know, being in our world, per se, um, in the black community, you know, a lot of parents do have issues with their LGBTQI plus um, children being who they are. And um, Zaya Wade is very fortunate, you know, um, yeah, to... Yeah, she's a unicorn. She, she, she is one of those unicorns right. that have a parent that um, supports her. Right. That has two parents, well, three parents that support her. Right. Um, because in order for um, Dwayne to support what well, Dwayne <laughs> to support her, <laughs> um, and Gabrielle Eunice is gonna support her. But in order for him to support her, his I mean, her mother has to support her as well. Right. So that is the, uh, and I do apologize. I didn't mean to call call her he, uh, um, to say the wrong pronouns. Uh, well, I think so, she's a her, right? Yeah, but I think I think I still been saying his a little. Oh. Bit. Oh, yeah. And you know what that and that's the thing that we all as long I feel like as long as you recognize, you know, then you're not trying to be funny. You know what I mean? As long as you yeah. 
recognize and give credence to that. I, I, I think that, you know, those things can happen. Yeah. Um, it's just that, it's just a, a, like, you know, just, you have to apologize for it. Yeah. But, like, I'm pretty sure her mother is accepting of her as well. Uh, because that has to happen in order for, you know what I'm saying, for that acceptance to happen, you have to happen, you know, and for her to feel as free as she does. And I'm happy that she feels free. Right. Because you see in our community that so many men aren't, once again, aren't free. And they deal with that identity crisis. Right. Uh, like, I've seen so many times where men, and even now as the wrong man, like 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, grown men marrying women and you were just on jacked. Mm-hmm. You were just on um, Instagram, Facebook, being gay. Um, <laughs> like, you know, you, you you have to deal with that. Um, for instance, and I know we probably are, I don't I hate to bring this up, but you know, and I really hope that he is genuinely who he is. Uh, I don't know if you heard of the the, the um, internet and for the social media influencers, Messi C. Who? Messi C. So Messi no. C is a um, look her up. I'm I'm gonna uh, look, look it up. Look him up. Look look her. Look Go ahead. Zeller. Go ahead. Uh, Messi C is like last like a few like she's been trending or he's been trending a lot. Um, on social media where he was engaged to a woman mm. um, from that woman like he ended up getting engaged to a man mm. but then like two or three weeks after he announced his engagement to the woman and I, that's allegedly two or three weeks um, he ended up announced his engagement to the woman and he said he was engaged to a man and he ended up having the same wedding date as, his, as the woman he was supposed to marry and at his wedding, he dressed like when he was with the woman, he was very masculine. He was uh, deep voice, all those things. But with the man, he's light voiced and dressing in drag. And mm. um, it's like, I'm like, that is a person, like, that is identity crisis. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's, and I just looked him up, uh, or I don't know what his pronoun, I don't think that he's trans. Um, no, or, he's not trans. Right. He's, he's uh, but he, like, he, I think he does stuff for wild factor, mm. but, um, it's really like, it's, it's almost sad to watch him. Yeah. Like, fidget around. It's kind of like watching, um, what's her name? So Scooby Doo, uh, who loses her glasses. Mm, Velma. Velma. It's like watching Velma try to find her glasses. Wow. <laughs> I mean that's that's a real uh that's a good example. Um you know, I've talked about on this show uh about someone who was interested in me and he and I worked together for years upon years and um we never he never ever spoke of this until about 10 years of me knowing him. And um he said that it wasn't you know, I don't know what his thing is. You know, he's married, he has kids and all these things. But it was, he said that it was more being, and, and that's what I, I'm demisexual, you know. Um, so it was more about energy for him. But there's, you know, a person like him who has a wife that gets to flirt with women and be with women if she wanted to. But him, he could never do that because he would be ostracized. Um, 
And I find that so sad, you know, that he has to live in a cage pretty much, you know, and, and I, I think that that's where something like that happens with this person. He probably was messy. C, which I looked up, um, was probably living in a cage pretty much and, and then yeah. burst it out. Um, kind of like that box, uh, example that you gave. Yeah. Um, I feel like he, he you know, I, I think doing it on the same wedding day and all that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, messy if, you know, literally his name. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you are a parent, uh, who listens to the show and there are people all over the world who listen to the show, but if you are a parent, uh, who listens to this show and you're, well, you, you probably, if you listen to the show, you're probably not, not liking, uh, gay people, (laughs) but if you are, um, you know, I think it's more important to support your child because there's been so many suicides uh, in the last bunch of years of even children, 12 years old, killing themselves. Um, that that you know affects a lot of people. So I th- I just think we need to pay attention more and more to what we're doing and, and whatnot. And uh huh. And just to be honest, just to be, be honest with you, transparency, I had to look up what demisexual meant. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, please don't judge me. No, I mean, yeah, so, no. I was like, that's the one for me. Let me look up the proof of what demisexual is. Right. Like, I learned, like, the funniest thing is, I learned a new sexuality, like, probably, like, once a month. So I'd be like, but that's, okay, that's the thing. But that's the, that's the thing. I feel like, you know, there are so many, you know, and, and, and yeah. I think even going back to the Native American days where they already thought about two spirit, you know, that that wasn't this is not new. Two spirits is not new. Um, that was something that they thought of and they allowed their people to be because that's just what it was. But that's what too, like even in um, ancient Greek and Roman times. And this is just with, with uh, you know, the white people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have to, like, you have to, like, they, the men that were in the army were, like, bisexual men or gay men. And even sleeping with a man during that time was a, a level of status. Right. So it was like, somebody knew something. And then, like, he was just battling this whole gay thing. But, like, even, even African tribes. And, well... Like, yeah, you know, I, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. I really am not going to spoil it. But there was a gay character in The Woman King, which we're going to get into next. Um, I have not been able to go see it yet. Yeah, but going to what you're talking about, about African tribes and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah those, those things were real until I feel Christianity and, and things of those natures came about and... You know, I, you know what I really think is that some guy out there was just so angry that he just was like, he wrote this in this book. Because, you know, I've said on this show that, you know, religion is man-made, so, you know. So, the thing is, so, with, with, with the whole, I know, like, with Leviticus, the thing that they say is an abomination is not uh, homosexuality, it's pedophilia. Mm. Um, so people you should not lay with you, you should not lay with a man with a boy b o y so people use that as a, a weapon 
Mm. You should not lay with a boy as if you would do a woman. Mm. Mm. So it was changed around, it was changed within the Catholic faith uh, because once again, you had those. <laughs> we all know what happens with the choir boys. We are pretty, you know, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at like, we already know the idea of the choir boy situation. So, you know, that, that is the thing that's funny. Well, hold on. Now, just turn a little to your uh, computer more. Um, and what do you mean by the choir? We all know what happens with the choir boys. What do you mean by that? So, you know, you've heard the, like, the, the stories, like the, like the general stories of the priest and the, and the choir boy, right? Do you, uh, go ahead. So, it's like, it's sometimes like, you know, in certain situations and some, a lot of situations they have had where um, the priest have, has taken advantage of the choir board. Right. So, um, a lot of them, so, you know, a lot, so that's something that has been, I guess, st- are stereotyped mm-hmm. for choir boys in the Catholic faith. Mm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a, uh, and I talked about it on the show, uh, that I really want people to watch is uh, this movie called Spotlight. Have you ever seen it? No, I've never seen Spotlight. Spotlight is a really great film that spoke about this uh, topic exactly, where a lot of priests uh, who would uh, assault young children, they they were moved into other churches rather yeah. than you know kicked out. And for a lot of reasons... Um, that you would see like on the paperwork and whatnot, you would never see that they molested a child. You would see that they left because they were sick or something else rather than what they actually did. So they were able to actually go around and keep on molesting. And in this movie Spotlight, which is a, a based on true events because it, it, there's a um, a newspaper in Boston, uh, a section called Spotlight in that, in the, that, uh, that newspaper where they actually put the spotlight literally on what was going on. And in this movie, they found so many priests that were just moved, not just fired or anything, moved. And they knew what was happening and just moved them. And um, the, the Hulk is in it. I'm sorry, I called him the Hulk. Who? <laughs> the Hulk. Uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, I know. I can't think it's Mark. Um, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. That's his name. And, yeah, um, he he was he played a great role. Let me tell you. And uh, Stanley Tucci, I like Stanley Tucci from uh, The Devil's Wears Prada. Yeah, you you've got to see this movie, uh, Larry, and anyone who else out there, please go see Spotlight. It, it you know, <laughs> I don't even know why I say it to really go see it. You know, I'm not trying to just bash religion, but I, I feel like there are predators that we allow uh, within our you know our realm more than we think. Well, it's more about, um, like I said, it's more about energy than okay. the actual sexual, sexual, or uh, I guess the, uh, what do I want to say? Male, female, trans, whatever. Um, because I feel like I, 
am attracted to trans people. I am attracted to men. I am attracted to females. Um, you know, I don't go ahead. You look you no, look no, you look thinking, puzzled. <laughs> yeah, because I I because that kinda sounds a lot like pansexuality. Yeah, like I mean pansexuality. there's definitely a mix. I think pansexuality is is just just that, um, that they're attracted to different but I feel like more the energy um is is more for me, you know. Um but they, those two go hand in hand. They're not too different. Um, so like, I I found out that um that there's a name for something that I am attracted to, and that is androsexuality. Okay, and what are you attracted to? Um, so I always tell people that I am attracted to masculine energy. Does that make sense? Okay. So I am attracted to a masculine man, but I'm also attracted to masculine trans men. Or masculine women. Mm. So I have like I am highly attracted to like like um, women that do masculine jobs. So like if I see like a woman police officer or a plumber, I'm attracted to or a woman plumber. <laughs> like, no, no, seriously. Like if I see like a, a woman construction worker, like if she presents like a masculine energy, you get I'm you get a hard on. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like for real, like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny because like I was like, hey, bro, I don't think I'm completely gay. I think I just like masculine people. Right. Well, see, there you go. And, and that's that's the thing I think that a lot of black men go through is that they and not that there are not gay black men who only like men, but a lot of guys I feel don't like the label gay because of all the stigma that comes with it. But really a lot of guys just aren't gay. They are, you know, multifaceted with their sexuality. Correct. Like, I, like the bromance thing, you know, that's been something that's been really big lately, like the bromance. And, and homoeroticism. Yeah. Yeah. So like the whole idea of bros over hoes and things like that, like, um, and I, and I, uh huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, continue, continue. no I was, I was gonna say I, I've talked about, um, and not that this subject m- means that, but I've talked about a lot of guys not really liking women, period, like hating women, but also right. that there's a lot of if you see a lot of rappers and, and and not just rappers, but you know groups of guys who will never have women around, but when they do, it's probably like one, and, <laughs> and, and it's always just because they're having sex with. Yes, and there's nothing else with it. They go out with the guys to go eat. They don't ever really have a woman in their life unless it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's just to have sex. And that right there, they don't even consider that as a, for I guess, I guess what mess people up is that last word of that, um, of anything, sexual, like bisexual, um, transsexual, like, Sexual is so they automatically go to the, the generalization of sex, right? The, right. Beha- like the behavior, right? So, the act of sex, right. so that's why the people are like, Well, I'm not understanding why y'all worrying about a kid and their sexuality. Um, because the last word of that is sex, right? Um, <laughs> so they automatically think with a person's if. 
a child that's 12 years, years old is gay, the first question they're going to ask you, who touched you? Maybe nobody touched me. Right. <laughs> I just know I like boys. Right. Or I just know I like girls. And, so I, I, and, I, and I will say that from, from my own self, I was... I was very young when I realized I like both, you know, and, and, you know, back then it wasn't like a, you know, trans people were really out there and whatnot, but I was like, I was attracted to both. Yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I was, when I realized I was attracted to men, I was fourth grade. Yeah. Very young for me too. Yeah. yeah. And I never, and I think I, I always tell people like when I'm, when I'm telling them my sexuality, because they always have, they, I don't know why they have to ask but they always ask me, or they, you know, I, they don't really ask me, like, when I, I just tell them, because we'll be in a conversation, because for some reason people like to say, are okay with saying homophobic things around you? Mm. And I'm like, mm, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. That's, not, that's never okay. And, like, I have to tell them, like, oh, yeah, because I'm gay. That's how I know. Mm. And they're like, oh, my God, like, I didn't know you were gay. Yeah, like like you know what? Recently, um, I was playing the game, and uh, Larry and I are gamers. Um, and you hear a lot of different things when you're playing video games. Let me tell you, horrible things, horrible things. The f bomb is dropped everywhere. F bomb, n bomb, all that. Um, yeah. you know, and there was some guy like, "Oh, that's gay, that's gay," and I was like, "Um, well, I don't know how shooting someone and you dying is gay." And then he had to catch himself, you know, I guess, because he, I said something, I guess he realized, you know, he was playing with somebody who, you know, was a part of that spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, and the good thing is, is that he didn't like keep going with it. And, and, and I liked it that, uh, I liked that about him, that person. And, that, and sometimes that's all it takes. Like, yeah. you do not, like, and I tell, even with my parents, like, and I, you know, I love my parents, definitely. Yeah. But once again, I saw so if you, if you don't know me, I, I grew up with a Southern family. Right. I'm talking Louisiana, Mississippi family. Right. Um, and they are Bible uh, Christians. Down. So, uh, Bible Christian yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bible belt. <laughs> right. You literally, yeah, you live in the Bible belt. Yeah. Yeah, I live in the Bible belt. So them... For me to come out as gay, their first question was, well, who touched you? And, mm. and how, like, my, my, my mom, I told my mom, she was like, well, did somebody touch you? Did somebody? No. I just, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe y'all just hated gay people so much that, you know, I was like, yeah, you're a usual gay baby. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. But no, I just never, I just so, like, trying to explain that, like, you do not have to understand or like what I do. You don't have to, but I'm just asking for, I'm asking you for the respect right. that you would give my sister if she brought home a man. Right, right. You know, and I was so, talking to someone about kind of like that, and they were like, um, we were just joking around, and um, he was like, oh, you know what, I should bring you home for Christmas just as just to splurt, you know, just to do that to my family. And I was like, yeah, like, that would be funny. Um, and he was like, no, but they would take it a whole different way. And I'm like, you know, like, even if you were to date someone, because, you know, like I said, we were just kidding around. But I, I told him that you should never feel like you can't. 
You know what I mean? Because I, yeah. I think straight guys or straight people, they just you could bring a new one home every damn Christmas, every yeah. damn Thanksgiving. You don't have to, you know, say anything. But for us, it has to be kind of like the perfect one to finally bring home. What do you? But and like for me, like me taking somebody home, like I've already told friends, and I think this has a lot to do with how what I how I view relationships too as well. I already told like my friends, like well, I already know my parents would not would never come to my wedding if I was to get married to a man. I already know they would never come. So Hmm. that. You really, you you really believe that? I know, I know they would. Wow. Um, and your parents definitely love you, right? Yes, I mean, they love me to death. Like, you, you and I talked about your parents, and they they seem very supportive of you. Outside of that, it seems like. Yeah, they're very supportive. Like they, my, my dad supports the fact that I sew. My dad supports the fact that I do clothes and everything. Um, they supportive. They're very supportive of me. Um. But it's just that, you know, they're, once again, they believe that what I'm doing is not right with the guy, guy's eyes, yada, yada, yada. Even though you have a daughter with two kids out of wedlock, mm. we're, gonna, we're not going to feel like, you know, we're just going to let that go. Mm. <laughs> mm. I said, it's not the ultimate sin. We're going to let that go. <laughs> and even though, like you said, in Leviticus, it doesn't say about with a man, it says boy. They still... So have you um, ever talked? Have you ever kind of challenged them on that part of it? Um, no, because we don't. The thing is, my so here's the thing. Here's here's a moment, another moment of transparency. My dad, I think my dad knows that I'm gay. One, but you never talked about it. But we never talked about it. Wow. So it's like adult ads, adults like very army, very adult Florida. Ads. You're very Florida. <laughs> Not that you know your life is sad, but that's sad, you know. But that's the thing, like and I, you know, I came out, I came out when gay, with being gay, it was just like one of those situations of like there were it were wasn't as accepted. Like me, you, we're on the same age. Yeah. I think you probably either a little bit older than me, or maybe just a little bit older than you. I'm not sure. Um, I know you don't want to say your age, man. So yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what my age has to do with your story, but go ahead. No, I'm just trying to see. Maybe <laughs> you can relate. I'm saying maybe you can relate to around the time. Like, I can. I can relate to you. Period. Because I have the same story as you. Yeah. So like around 2000. <laughs> around 2000 so I'm just gonna say like around 2008. Uh, that's when I was like 18. So I came out around that time uh, to my mom. Oh wow. And you know, I know she had asked me before, and I told her, you know, I said like I try to like deviate, like try to move the conversation somewhere else, because uh-huh. I just really didn't want to tell her. Uh-huh. But when I finally got to college, just in case, you know, just like I said, I waited until I got to college, and I probably called her like a month into college, was like, hey, 
mom, I want to talk to you, let you know I'm gay. And she was like, okay. <laughs> she was like, I kind of figured that anyway. I already knew that anyway. It shocked me how, how like, blah she was. Let me ask you something. Does your mom watch a lot of gay programs or people with... She does. Uh, she, she does, huh? My mom, I, did, I, found out, I found out later my mom liked Noah's Ark. <laughs> it's so crazy to me that they could watch things up and down but have such a large... Because I'm only saying that because my mom is the same way where I was just like... You know, you're watching all these things, and you know, my mom now, you know, it's just you know, whatever. I, I don't. It's not a bad thing now, um, but back when I did tell her, it was like the phone dropped, you know. And I think I told the story on the show um, when I told her that I did like, you know, men. She, it was kind of, it was very, um, it was very scary for me. Yeah, it was it was very dramatic because um, we literally, you know, my, I was living separate from my mom also, or I was separate from my mom and like just like you, and I we were on the phone and the phone, she said she didn't hang up, but the phone just was off, like she had hung up or the phone dropped. I don't I don't see how the phone the call could have dropped all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and then you know then there was the call back and. You know, it was just a very sad moment to know that, you know, it, it, it's just a sad thing. And the first time I was like, well, I just think you're going through a phase. Oh, my God. I'm like, girl, like, this this phase has been going on. A while. <laughs> I hate to tell you, I hate to be the bearer of that madness. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, here, here you are sewing sequins, and she thinks it's a phase. <laughs> Like, I'm doing everything but drag. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, her, but her reasoning was like, she kind of figured it because she's like, I just realized that you, like, one, you didn't want to go to prom, and and then, like, the, you, you said that, you know, you don't want to go, like, you can't go with who you want to go with, mm-hmm. so you don't want to go, and, you know, you never brought any girls home and introduced them as your girlfriend. And I was like, so that's your reason thinking I'm gay? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess, kind of like, right? Okay. I mean, only because, in, in you, you know, you're not unattractive at all. I mean, so it, you would think, you know, yeah. So I was like, that was like, yeah, like, but I don't like people. So I'll be there saying, I don't, I don't, I don't, I like, I never did that either, so... Right. <laughs> wow. But, but well, my dad... So, this is how I know my dad knows. Um, I remember watching, me and my dad were watching TV one day, and normally my dad would make homophobic comments. Mm. And one day we was watching TV, and he was watching, like, we were watching... I can't remember what we were watching, but he he had saw, like, homo, like some, it was like homosexual activity. And he caught, like, he had said something, but he caught himself, and he apologized. He was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, didn't mean it that way. And I was like, dang. I was like, huh. He must know. <laughs> I was like, 
I'm gonna speed past that. No. <laughs> I'm gonna let that let that marinate, let that go. Right. So, but he also he asked my mom one time. I remember he asked my mom. He's like, mom told me to like your dad. I think your dad is expecting your game. And she was like, um, I think that because he asked me the other day, why did Larry don't ever bring a girl? Why did Larry don't ever bring women home? Right. And I was. She was like, I don't know. You should ask him. And he, but he never asked me. So I think my dad. No, then I also once again, but I can't say that because my dad sews. My dad he does um, car seats and upholstery and car seats. Like he does all of that stuff. So me sewing is not something he's gonna be like. Oh my god, like where? So right. But um, so he's like, oh, he's just taking out to me. Mm. Um, but you know, I'm out here sewing gowns fully. Right. So do you <laughs> think that there's ever a? Ch- I mean, because. You know, and, and you, you didn't say how uh, your age, but I mean, at this point of your life, you are, you know, do you think you would ever have that conversation with him? I mean, honestly, the reason why I think I have not had that conversation again is because I haven't been in anything serious to where they will have to be um, in a situation where they're going to have to see it often. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm going to have a consistent person coming around. Right. I mean, I, I never brought it up until I was in a real relationship. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that brings us back to the conversation that started from the beginning of the, uh, the podcast, which we took a direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, took we, the long way around. we did. Um, <laughs> I have never been in a relationship. Right. So, there has really been no, because there is, people, I tell them that they still ask the question. Are you sure that you're gay? Um, or are you sure this? Because if you're never been with, if you've never been with a man or been gay or been like I've had sex with people, that's, that's yeah. but if you've never been emotionally with the man, then how can you say that you're you're gay? Mm. And I like you know, and I thought like, damn, that is a, a great question. Um, yeah, I've never been presented with the opportunity, and you know, and you know, like you said, I'm not a ugly guy. I'm not, a, I'm not an unattractive guy, but I just never been presented with the opportunity to be in a relationship with anyone. Um, I've never been on a date, mm-hmm. so that was my dating life, and and so it's and there's different factors that factor into that. Um, Would it be amazing if you could speak to your dad about it, and that he knows that he knows someone that may be good for you? It, it, have you ever thought of that? I would not. <laughs> what if he said, like, you know, one of the guys down at the shop, you know, you know. <laughs> you know, that's a fellow that I've been talking about. I know he got a son. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, like. Uh, you know, people people don't think about those kind of things where you could really bridge the gap per se. Um, but I think this has been um, pretty interesting talk. Um, I do want to um, get into our next topic, but I really appreciate you for being transparent in such an amazing way because you are uh, very talented. You are very smart. You are very educated. And um, oh, that is re- smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. You truly are. Um, and you need to know that you know. And I, I, I don't. I don't know if I've said that to you. Um, I, I, I think. I think I've definitely bigged you up, but I've never said. You know, I want no, you, you to know. You, you, you've definitely called me a bitch ass nigga. 
I've never used that. I've, let's let's be let's. I never used that word towards you. I've called you a bitch, but. <laughs> And 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 by the way, he's come back at me several and started with me several times. Okay, <laughs> so don't do it. Um, <laughs> but um, no, you are very talented, and um, you know, one thing I did want you to at least uh, say, um, you do have something coming up uh, next April that you are working on. Um, I am. I am bringing fashion to Mississippi. Yeah. Um, in a major way, beauty and fashion. Um, I in my home, small hometown. Um, I am hosting a fashion show or a black a black beauty expo for um, boutique owners, black boutique owners, black designers, um, black vendors who have self care um, or candles or hair or eyelashes or acrylic nails. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, and hairstylists as well too. Uh, we're doing a hair show. It's, it's going to be a hair show and a fashion show and Black Beauty Expo in my hometown. Yeah, and that's coming in April. Um, do you have a page or something that, in case it comes up, people can check yes, it out? You can follow my page. You can follow my personal uh, Instagram at fifty five zero yard y a r d stitch s t i t c h and that is 50 uh, yard stitch. That's the number fit five zero yard uh, Y A R D S T I C H 50 yard stitch. Yep, 50 yard stitch. Or you can follow my uh, design page at Rocky Tailored R A C Q I T A. I'm sorry, yeah, T A I L O R E. That's that Mississippi for you. Uh, no, you know what's gonna ask you um, before we got out here because I don't know how to spell it. Do you know how to spell Mississippi? M I S S I S S I P P I. Where did I get to spell this Massachusetts? Did you do you have to sing the song that crickly crickly? No, I do not. I've always like spelling has always been a good thing for me. Right. Well, listen, um, we are going to take a moment. We will be right back. Um, This is my guest, Larry Medley. He is a fashion designer. He has a fashion show coming up in April. So if you are in the surrounding areas or anywhere, um, there's a big show actually going to be there that weekend, right? There's a... um, It is the same weekend as what is called the Juke Joint Festival. Um, So if you like blues, if you like live music, if you like black people... It is in a very historic black town, and it's called the Juke Joint Festival. And you told me that lots of people come from all over the world. Yes, um, people from France, um, Russia. I met someone at my job yesterday from Holland. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's coming up in April. Um, hit him up. <coughs> Excuse me, I was trying to, I was holding on to that call for a second there. So I apologize. Um, that's coming up in April. Hit them up. Make sure you do. I'll actually be there. Um, but uh, we'll be right back, and we're going to get into the topics that we normally talk about. So we'll be back. One. 
All right, guys, and we are back. This is I've Got Questions. All right, guys, ladies, them, their, her, she, whatever y'all are. Um, so I don't want to just say guys, so I apologize. Um, I am back with my guest, Larry Medley. Um, yes, he, uh, you know, we had a long discussion, which went very long, but I'm very happy that he did uh, and was so transparent, as I told him. Um, I really appreciate that. But we need to talk about more things. We need to get right into this because we have a quite a show to get into. I try to keep the topics down to a certain amount because I do have a guest and I didn't want the show to run so long, but um, we do anyway. And this is I've Got Questions. So y'all already know that we talk that, well, I talk a lot. Um, so the first thing I wanted to get into, and you, uh, I think we spoke about this a little bit. Um, so the Woman King is out uh, this weekend. It came out. Um, let me just get right into it. The Woman King is an original black film with a female director, and it's number one. It um, selling forty percent of all tickets as it grossed nineteen million dollars. Um, it had a budget of fifty million dollars. Uh, production is directed by Gina Price Bythewood, so it's it's female led all the way. Viola Davis is uh, the uh, the warrior of the Dahomey tribe, um, which a lot of people don't know about. And I'm happy that this movie did come out because it, it, it was needed. Um, let me just read this really quick. Driven by a black female audience that skews older, this is an impressive start from what could be a long-running success. It's the first film to get an A-plus cinema score since Top Gun Maverick. And it has potential to expand to broader audiences as word of mouth spreads. It's also the latest uh, 2020 non-franchise release uh, to get a positive or better results. Um, it's a huge movie. It's a lot of people may think it's like a, a Black Panther movie. It's not. It's not a Marvel movie at all. It's um, it's its own thing. And I really do hope that they do have a, a sequel to it because there's more of this story that we need to know. But let's get into uh, the Woman King cast on what it means to be in this movie. They were on The View. Let's see what they had to say. Davis is joined now by her co-stars in The Woman King. The Woman King. So please welcome Tusu Umbedu, Lashana Lynch, and Sheila Atim. And just before we keep going, um, I did see The Woman King. I saw it uh, Friday night, I believe. Uh, incredible film, ladies and gentlemen, and them, theirs, and theirs. Um, it's a really great film. I've, I really feel the black unity in it was top-notch. Um, and just seeing females watch the movie was great to me also. Black females watch it. But any female, really. Um, I think it's a great movie just for that. And to see women uh, take over the screen in such a way was just purely beautiful. So, Tusi, your starring role in the Underground Railroad made you the first South African female lead of an American TV show. But The Woman King is your big screen debut. Yeah. It was actually shot in your home country of yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
how was that going home to shoot? It was absolutely amazing. Um, I obviously didn't know when auditioning that they would shoot it in Africa, let alone South Africa. And it made sense for it to be done that way. Mm -hmm. And not only was it shot in my home country, the first two weeks of production were shot in my home province. You know, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the locations are gorgeous. They've got yeah. beautiful locations yeah. in South Africa. Um, you know, waking up in the morning, the sunrise, as early as, you know, shoots are. Driving, you're seeing the elephants, you're seeing the giraffe, oh. you're seeing all these beautiful yeah. animals. Let me tell you, this movie is beautiful, okay? It's gorgeous uh, film. Uh, cinematography, all that, that great stuff. It's just beautiful. Um, I know you haven't seen it yet, and I know you're, you're, you're planning on seeing it. Um yeah. Do you have any first impressions about it, or? Um, no first impressions, but you know, because I do, um, I know small, not even a lot of information about the Dahomey Protocol, the Dahomey Amazons. Um, I know like just little small stuff, and that's just like battles that they have with Dutch and French. Right. I think it's the French. I think it's more so French, Dutch. One of the, I think I said that. I think we, in a previous conversation we talked about that. Right. But I, I have heard of the homie, the, the, the homie tribe, so it's really to be depicted. I just, I'm excited to see how they depict it. Right. And then I always have to do this to Viola, the story about the rain. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell a story no, about rain. It's going to take up too much time. Maybe summarize it, though. <laughs> Was the rain fabulous? It's and blew you away. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Almost threatened the movie, mm -hmm. but then the drummers. It was a scene with we had drummers and dancers, so yeah. the, the people started and drumming and the dancing, and they sang a song yeah. to stop the rain. Yeah. Oh. Now, Sheila, you two starred in the Underground Railroad, and you're also a celebrated stage actor in the UK. You said that. Friends and family, um, and even strangers, have shared anecdotes with you about what this movie means to them. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, one of my friends, uh, who's an actress, Joan Ayala, back at home, I sent her the trailer when it came out, um, and she messaged me back saying, I'm crying in the middle of the street, and I just forced three random people to watch it. <laughs> responses like that i think yeah. seeing the trailer just seeing the image yeah. of us all coming out the yeah. gate you know yeah. it's it's been it's, it's conjured up feelings in people that i didn't i don't think they even knew were there so oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just yeah. so beautiful yeah. and you're also beautiful it's yeah. breathtaking yeah. lashana um folks know you from both the marvel universe that's right she was james bond yeah i mean a 007 conversation about rocking your natural hair this time mm. you enjoyed that yeah tell us about it yeah it's nice to have a, a director who you have a shorthand with as a black woman you know those conversations don't need to be had with any department really because yeah. Yeah. let me tell you the hair in the movie was top-notch I'm not gonna even I'm not being funny at all their their hair looked beautiful every time can I, can I ask a question though mm-hmm 
Um, and this is and this is not disrespect to anyone on the um, on this cast because I think it's it's a beautiful thing. Mm. But here's my question. This and is I'm this is called you. I've got questions. So <laughs> have yeah, at so, it. But I, and I know there's a trend. Is it that okay? My question is: Is it that black actresses, African American actresses, are not accepting these roles or something? Because and the reason why I ask that question is because uh, and I'm glad that they get people different diaspora, but um, when it comes to like picking the black actresses, oh okay, um, I see so what you mean now. But um, I've noticed that there has been growth in black actresses and actors that are coming from the UK mm-hmm. to America mm-hmm. and acting in movies and stuff and getting like top notch movies. For instance, Idris Alba. Right. Um Daniel uh what's his last name? Kalua. Yeah, him. Her um John Bayoga John Bayoga's in this movie also. Right. Also what's his name from um from All the Mary? Um like there are like a lot of European like like European but you know yeah European um black people coming over in these roles, I'm just want to know, like, if, what are, are there, like, is it because that black black actors and actresses that are American aren't taking these roles and wanting these roles? Because you see the same black actors and actresses every time. You know, we're not introduced to any new ones unless they're from the UK. Yeah, you you, no, no, no. Yeah, I've actually noticed that. And um, you and I were actually talking about uh, P Valley yesterday, which I've never yeah. seen P Valley, and um, once again. Right. Um, you know, I don't know at all, but I, I think that, that, that could be a good point to think about. Um, I think that actually recently Idris Alba was talking about he was pissed off that a lot of people are having, you know, kind of like the questions you have, um, about them essentially taking over or um I you know, that's a good question. Just just something that I, I, I recognize because like I think of other actresses that also could have played this movie like um, what's her name from, uh, I can't think of her name, from uh, If Bill Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Her. Like, she could have also played this movie as well. But, you know, just to name, like, dark-skinned actresses. I don't even think the, the lady from Starfire, who played Starfire on the Titans, is, I think she's she's also British. Mm. Mm. Hey, you, you know what? Um, maybe they're afraid of being typecast. You know? Maybe. You know, you, you just don't know because, you know, once you... And that's true. Maybe you can't as uh, the... the I don't want to say... I, I was going to say pretty, but I didn't mean it in that way. Because uh, yeah. these ladies are pretty. Um, but They're I, all gorgeous. Right. All of them are gorgeous. But like, like, gorgeous. like you were saying, maybe they are already typecast to not even get into a film like this. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, that's an interesting thought. Know that the leader has already had them for you. You're taken uh, care of. Your blackness, your womanhood, your your energy as a black woman is is already is already settled. And there were so many things in the script that made me go, Ah, we're going to celebrate everyone's hair yeah. as individuals, as yeah. people, as characters. Well, when you were greeting the braids, like, oh my like, gosh! Oh, yeah. Listen, I've been trying to get that moment in for like every single time. <laughs> <laughs> I slowed that down. I was like, <laughs> 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 you're going to be 
And, and Larry, you can I can hear you. So if you ever need to butt in, um, but that is a, a interesting thought too about showing those kind of things because I feel like a lot of audiences who are not black don't know what natural hair or how much it takes, you know, to do our our hair. Um, oh my God, does it take a lot? Matter of fact, I need to. Put all of these braids You know, and 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 having someone like Whoopi on the on the show on that during that kind of conversation, I'm sure she's had to deal with a lot. I mean, she was in Ghosts and she had to wear a wig, and and you got to think about even a lot of today. You know, not that black people don't have straight hair, right? There's lots of people who have naturally straight hair. Kenya Moore. There's a lot of different black women who do have this luxurious, you know, I guess if they want to say that kind of hair, you know. I don't know. I don't think it's luxurious. I think, I, I don't. And, and by luxurious, I meant big. I'm sorry. Yeah. Black people don't understand that our hair is way better than any other race yeah race's hair because our hair is so versatile it's so durable it's so ver- and it can last to like you know our hair is built to like last and it's built to deal with any type of weather right. any type of like we can withstand like long terms in the sun we can withstand long terms in the rain or long times of snow and, and like we can do that our hair, like, but we have been so urine, uh, like, urine, I urine, I don't think that's a word. Uh, <laughs> we've been so, like, said, like, said that Eurocentric things are so better, are better that we do, like, try to go for that straight hair. Yeah. That, like, you know, so if your hair is actually straight, we understand that's fine. But I don't feel like you wish we were manipulating our hair. No. Unless, like, unless you want to pull a color in it because. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and I, I I don't I I wonder what what it'll take for us to get away from that idea because you gotta like there was a video this weekend that came out with um a mother who was trying wigs on her daughter and you know it's very viral and I, I guess people thought it was funny and cute but I didn't think it was cute at all I thought it was really preparing her for not even loving her freaking self already but and also also as well too um and this is a person who's come for like the beauty industry right a lot of times we um people use wigs as a protection yeah 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 so and with me so with me be like well i don't understand why she don't wear her natural hair too much heat on our too much like like 350 degree heat 60 so don't like when you're flat ironing your hair you're doing this stuff to your hair that stuff damages your hair. Mm-hmm. Breaks it off, yeah. So it's I would rather put a bunch of heat to like fake hair than to put it into my own. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Now, see, I understand that. Um, I just wonder. I, I kind of worry about what that person was doing to her young. Her her daughter was literally under three. You know, she's making her. You know, kind of like a. a, a a TikTok baby, essentially, and putting these wigs on, you know, what does that do to a young child at that point 
growing up, you know, if you never see your hair, if you never, you know. I think it would make them unappreciative of what they already have. Yeah, um, I, yeah, that's what I think. Um, well, um, well, since as a matter of fact, something that's very, very relevant to this topic. Um, when I um, so I went to a conference on Saturday and I met Kirby, uh, who, who's a singer and a songwriter. If you, if, and if anybody don't know Kirby, just you know, go type in Kirby on Spotify, um, Apple, all of those things, and look her up. And she was talking about her hair. She was talking about how she didn't appreciate, like she would wear the Brazilian and the, the Malaysian hair, and she would put all that stuff in her hair. And it was it took her until she's like around our age, and she took it took her to like 2016 for her to start being like. I love my hair. Yeah. I love, and if you go, if you type, like, if you type Kirby the singer in and you will look at her and you will see her hair, her hair is huge and it's all hers. Like, right. It is, that is all her hair. And it is beautiful and it's curly and it was like, for her to have this beautiful mane and she still does not appreciate it, lets us know how brainwashed we are to feel about ourselves. Yeah, uh, and that's something that I, I think even recently and uh, there was a story about a grandmother who didn't, and actually there's a story we're going to get into about Tyler Perry not wanting to talk about his child with race, but there was a grandparent who um, who didn't want uh, her grandchild to play with a black doll, and I think that's, you know, a lot of the, like, even even like calling women Barbie or black, you know, the black Barbie thing, I really don't like it. You know, it, it really bothers me because it, it puts us still into that mold. Yeah. I don't know why black people want Barbies anyway. That bitch wouldn't have enough clothes. <laughs> she was basic, basic ass bitch. Well, speaking of uh, Barbies and things that white people uh, feel or ostracize about, uh, The Little Mermaid was a story that um, has taken over. <gasps> Uh, this whole entire thing. I just want to get into this clip, and uh, like I said, butt in at any point, and I'll stop it, and, and you, you can talk. Um, but I want to get into this clip because this is uh, something that's been going on this whole entire week. It's been very racist. You know, this this trailer has gotten over uh, 10 million likes, but so many, it has the most dislikes ever. Um, a lot of white people are saying really horrible things, and I think, you know, uh, White supremacy is alive more than ever. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, during our America is racist uh, uh, segment. We're gonna get into that more. But um, I wanted to bring this up because you know the Woman King is number one. It's number one, nineteen million dollars over this weekend. Uh, the budget is only fifty million dollars. So it's gonna it's gonna break its budget. It's gonna go over it, and we're, we're gonna keep seeing more of these kind of uh, films come out. But I want to get into this clip real quick. Wish I could be. The new trailer for The Little Mermaid is generating extraordinary reaction, especially among black girls. She's black. Many of them are mesmerized watching a cherished fairy tale character who looks just like them. 22-year-old actress Haley Bailey stars as Ariel in Disney's new live-action film, and she looks nothing like the animated Little Mermaid with red hair from the original 1989 classic. Wish I could be 
And I don't even think it's just for the black people, right? I think it's for other children to see that there are multitudes of different... But what people are failing to realize is this. Even in that about even i don't know if you've seen some of the posts some of the memes that have come up um there's like you know what if we change martin luther king's color to white that's not the same ladies and gentlemen that is a real person stupid right and and, I don't and, and let's not pretend like y'all didn't have a white man playing michael jackson in this movie that just came out in 2000 and um like 2016 let's let's not pretend you didn't have the the passion of the christ where there was a white Jesus Christ. Let's not pretend like um, y'all didn't whitewash the heck out of uh, well, every person that car did the Kardashians that whitewashed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, it's, it's dumbfounding to me what these people have begun to say. And, and so, in the sad part is it's like a bunch of ignorant and like, well, what about the redhead girls? Y'all have braids. Right. Y'all, like, literally, if you take away one black prince, first of all, a little prince is not even a princess. One. Like, she's not even one of the princesses that falls under the, the thing of princess. Like, if you take away one princess, y'all are still going to have so many nine princesses. So many. Eight princesses. You have Snow White, you have Sleeping Beauty, you have Cinderella, you have, um, uh, uh, what's a, who's a warrior? You have a lot. Let's just you put have it. a lot. You have two fucking men. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. She's not focusing on the hate. I'm so grateful for what it will do for all the other little black and brown boys and girls who will see themselves in me. She's brown. 
And all she has to do is look at the excitement of the little girls embracing her. She's black. You know, that makes me a little, um, it, it brings up a little tears in my eyes because um, people don't know what we go through. Especially as, as, yeah, as children, you know, um, what we always see as perfect or like you were saying earlier about Eurocentric things that have been pushed down to us. They don't know that we don't get that. You know, a lot of the, the movies and TV shows have been, you know, white saviors always, you know, some kind of white knight, uh, you know, anything, you know. There's always some kind of white person who is, you know, saves the black person or there's never a feeling of we did it by ourselves, we overcame things by ourselves, and it didn't take a white person. And, and you know what and that's and that's what brought me to like, that's made me think about what we talked about um, the other day. We were talking about the birth of a nation and stuff like that. Right. Um it's easy I, I feel like this way, and this is like another thing where I'm kind of like getting kind of like weary of slave movies and slave depiction. And but because there's they always depict, they always show our pain, right? And they show how we overcome the pain, but there is never a story on like, and it's never just like that movie where it's just we're on top, like, right? Like, the movies that we do have, like we we, we had a we had a show uh, on Fox called the uh, with Morris Chestnut and uh, Yaya, and it's like like this black they like they go to the Hamptons, it's like like a Hampton Martha's Vineyard type of family, mm-hmm. and it's like even though it's like it had it like it's drama, but it was good to see black people in that space, right? And you know what I saw recently? Uh, I don't know if you heard of this show called Tom Swift. Yes, the Tom's was with the uh, on CW. So it was on C, and I didn't even know about this show until I saw it on HBO Max, and yeah. I was and, and I read the description, and I literally me, I he's got a ex- black I got excited. I, I was like, autistic. oh my god, he's not autistic. He's not. I thought he was autistic. No, he's uh no, he's not autistic. He's very very smart. Um, he's. Well, wasn't he like socially? He, no, no, not at all. He's um he's he's gay, he's a a butch queen as they say, um and he's very smart and he creates all kind of things. Um and his fa- the family is rich also and there's literally no kind of gangster kind of things. There's no, no nothing where they put us in a, a kind of negative light. Or he's not a basketball player. You know he's literally a genius and. It's a beautiful show, and I love watching it because yeah. I never got to see that, you know. But the thing is, here, here's where they take those shows away from us. And, and, and by the way, yeah, before you start that, it was canceled. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They take those shows away from us because they don't promote it to us. That's the, exactly, yeah. Because, I, I, and I'm going to tell you how I saw it. I have the CW app on my, on my computer, and um, I was watching, like, I watch it on my regular shows, like, um, All American and Riverdale, I watch those shows like that, and I was like, hmm, this is a new show, I didn't even know that this show was coming out, and I watched that show along with Naomi, or Naomi, 
Mm-hmm. Naomi is about a black girl who's a superhero who's also a genius. Like, <laughs> wow, I never heard of it. Yeah, but so, but they, both of those shows are canceled. And and that's so crazy to me that you won't even give it a second season to flourish. You know what I'm saying? Because even when you watch Tom Swift, you see his, his, the character, I uh, forget who, 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 who plays him, he, he starts getting more into the character as it goes along, which is normal. You know what I mean? That he starts becoming the character. But they never even give a, an entire next season. You know, you never greenlight it. But the thing is, we're not watching it. Well, well like you that. said, it's not about us not watching it. It's not being promoted to us. Yeah. Right, because I found this show randomly after it was canceled. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I do call on these people, Tyler Perry's and all these billionaires, to start doing a little more. Put some yeah. money behind your stuff. Stop Jay Z. You know, you know, I got into an yeah. argument with someone about this. You know, put that money where it really needs to go. But you know what? Though? They canceled another show on the CW that was predominantly black called the 4400. Mm. Yeah, I, I've seen that show, yeah. Where they had, they had powers as well. They, it, but it was a majority black cast. Mm. Majority black. Right. Like, they canceled that show. And that show was amazing. Like, it would, like if, I, if, if, if you didn't play that, like, like, if you have time, go and watch the 4400. And go and watch... Naomi and go and watch um, Tom Swift. Those shows are amazing. Yeah. Um, but they will promote the hell out of trash to us. That and, and, and that bothers me, you know, because yeah. we need influences as well. You know, yeah. they can tell us, oh, why don't you just go do your own thing? You know, we don't. Y'all already know that y'all have more resources than anyone in this world. Y'all, y'all stole a lot of it, and you didn't have to pay a lot of. You didn't have to pay anyone when you were creating this America. Okay, you had it for free for a very long time. Um, so it's 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 kind of stupid to me to say, well, why don't you go and do this and that? Um, and on a free network like CW, you know, we always have to watch things on a paid network. We have to go and yeah. ser- search it out. Um, Tom Swift is a really good show, and I, and I really wish that more young black boys could see a show like that um, and, and get into it. I just want this whole stereotype of uh, you could be a basketball player, you can be a football player. To stop. Like, as a teacher, and let me tell you something, how many kids I have just lost to just going to work because they didn't see themselves doing anything but playing football. It's horrible. They didn't see themselves doing anything but or going to like the ends of like, going to the NBA. Like, I don't even want to go to college because I didn't get a, I didn't get a scholarship to play football. And that's and, and the thing is, even with that, you could get hurt in a second. And you're done. And I told, and the thing is, I talked to him and talked to that, and he was just like, it broke my heart to hear that. Like, because I asked, I'm like, so. Is you know so and so like is he at school like he, he does he could go to the uh, to the college? No, he doesn't go. That broke my heart. Like man, like you, the boy could sing. That was one. He could sing his butt off. And I told him, I said, if you want to go to college and you feel like you can't pay for college, I can get you an audition with the choir and they can give you they'll give you a scholarship. Mm. 
And he was so hell-bent on playing football that he would not, like, go to anything else other than... And, and, and like, and the funny thing is, they, my hometown, they literally glorify those guys who went to play, went to play professional football. Yeah. But you don't see those people who, like, left and this guy became a, a, a chiropractor with his own business. Like, they don't want that. They don't want to right. celebrate those people. Right. Yeah, uh, that's just not just us. That's everywhere. That's the, black people. Well, yeah, and, and and yeah, I mean, we don't get to see them in roles, even on TV and things like that. Like we were talking about, how they just get canceled. You know, it's the influence. Influence matters. It really just truly does. Yeah. You know, that's just period on everything, and they know that. They know that influence matters. Um, I want to announce all this this now. Iron Heart comes out really soon. If you're not a Marvel fan, let me explain what Iron Heart is. After Tony Sparks, after Tony Starks died, not Sasha Sparks. After Tony Starks died, there is a black girl, a little, a, a black girl who takes um, who invents what is called Iron Heart. It is a show coming out about her soon on Disney Plus. Please, guys, please, 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 check that show out. Yeah. And also check out the Spider Verse as well. So what you're saying? Okay. I mean, yeah. Um, something that we everyone's been talking about tomorrow. Um, well, no. By the time you guys hear this, uh, she should be in the ground. She's been on a world tour. I feel like you know she's t- she's letting the Spice Girls. Uh, the Spice Girls are failing. I mean, the Queen has been on a world tour for the last few weeks. Um, and not a world tour, but I'm, I'm being funny because she's been everywhere, but in the ground. Um, <laughs> um, I want to get into the story because, um, to Monday is, uh, Monday the, ni- the 19th is when she will finally be, uh, buried. Um, I want to get into this next thing. Um, we're not going to talk too long about the queen. We already did, um, last week, um, or last episode, I should say. But here is a gentleman who's saying uh, why we sh- Africans shouldn't be mourning Queen Elizabeth II. Join PC. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I didn't know there was going to be an ad. Let me get. We do not mourn the death of a colonizer and a murderer who came and killed our people and she's wearing proudly a stolen coat on her head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's saying a lot there. That that damn that damn uh crown that's sitting on top of her uh her 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 casket right now, it's worth I think like three hundred million dollars. Yeah, no. Um it's stolen goods. Yeah. And I and I I do not. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this loud. I'm gonna say it proud. I don't give a fuck. I called her a bitch, and she did. The bitch a thief. She's a she's a thief, and her people are a thief. And I, um, people, and I really just I don't understand why they even still have coins. You really don't do a damn thing. And let's just be clear. We even though we're giving them all the grief, you have to remember they're still under a power. So their power is not is no better. It's just it, it's pretty much like our president. The queen, and they're, they're really just like figureheads, right? But and we saw, but the parliament, everything, like London is just as trash as America. So, right. 
We have nothing to do with the queen. Today, people think, hey, we mourn, hey, we mourn the queen. But when Helen Zille tweeted and said that not everything is bad about colonialism, you all said Helen Zille is a racist. How can she praise colonialism? By mourning and praising the queen, you are celebrating colonialism. You are not different from Helen Zille. Mm. We were not colonized by the land called Britain. We were colonized by the leadership of Britain that killed our people. So we must not be asked to do wrong things here. We are very clear. The Queen does not represent anything good. The EFF statement that was released after the announcement of her death. They wrote this on September 8, 2022. The EFF statement on the death of Queen Elizabeth. The Economic Freedom Fighters notes the death of Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor, the Queen of the United Kingdom and the ceremonial head of state of several countries that were colonized by the United Kingdom. Elizabeth ascended to the throne in 1952, reigning for 70 years as a head of institution built up, sustained and living off of a brutal legacy of dehumanization of millions of people across the world. We do not mourn the death of Elizabeth because to us, her death is a reminder of a very tragic period in this country and Africa's history. Britain, under the leadership of the royal family, took over control of this territory that would become South Africa in 1795 from Batavian control and took permanent control of the territory in 1806. From that moment onwards, native people of this land have never known peace, mm. nor have they ever enjoyed the fruits of the riches of this land. Mm. Riches which were and still are utilized for the enrichment of the British royal family and those who look like them. From 1811, when Sir John Cradock declared war against Amakosa in the Zurveld in what is now known as the Eastern Cape up until 1906, when the British crushed the Bambata Rebellion, our interaction with Britain under the leadership of the British royal family has been one of pain and suffering of death and dispossession and of dehumanization of African people. We remember how Nsele died in the aftermath of the Fifth Frontier War, how King Hinsa was killed like a dog on the 11th of May 1835 during the Sixth Frontier War and had his body and his head taken to Britain as a trophy. It was also the British royal family that sanctioned the actions of Cecil John Rhodes, who plundered this country, Zimbabwe and Zambia. I mean, I've always said, uh, especially here, um, that Africa has been sucked dry from many, many people. Uh, Asia, you know, um, everyone. Russia, they've been sucked dry. They owe us. Like, every freaking country owes Africa. It's just so sad. I mean, we have never had a fair shake. We just never have. And, uh huh. And I think, but, you know, this is, I know you're not a religious person, but this is something that I always like like to say that this is what happens when you're chosen. When, you, when you're like chosen people. Mm. Like, we would never see good days because our reward 
is probably bigger. Yeah. But the problem, the, I think the problem why they, they keep doing it. And I, but, by the way, I don't think you have to be religious to believe that. I, I definitely yeah. believe that. That's 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 uh we're like you and I. I feel like we're good people, and yeah. we do we suffer. I'm decent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think our reward is bigger because we use our voices for things like what we talk about. Yeah, correct. And like I think that um, the problem is imagine imagine this: if every black person all around the country goes back to Africa, yeah. Well, and like I said on last week's show, we talked about, and Bill Nye, the science guy, you're a, a white person, he confirmed, we all came from Africa. Why do you are mutants? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, wait, if you have any white listeners. Okay, sure. now listen. Well, there are, because I had a, a, you know, people from around the country, world tell me to go to certain countries to get away from uh, white supremacy. But, um, you know, what happened with their skin and why they are white is because they moved out of the, uh, you know, the, the, the heat pretty much and their skin became more white. Um, they moved to the mouth of the caucus. Yeah. But <laughs> they lived thinned out because the fridge is cold. That's, that's exactly what happened. So we all come from, <laughs> we all come from Africa. Um, but, you know, and I'm going to play this clip as we talk. Um, here she is, the uh, this person, the queen. Um, she's leaving. But like I said, she's been on tour for the last few weeks. Um, um, it's just, you know, they've done a lot. They've done a, and they have some. Yeah, they actually had a lot of black guards that have been around her body, which I was very surprised by. Um, I've been seeing. <laughs> I've been uh, seeing, you know, a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I'm very much you. You're into the news, but I'm, you know, I'm also into the news. Um, these people have done so much to black people, and um, like I said, they sucked Africa dry. And I wish that the people in Africa, you know, the leaders in Africa, would really open their borders up to the American people or American blacks to uh, just uh, offer, offer us to come there without any, you know, extra bullshit. Because that's where we really need to be, is Africa. We don't need to be here. Um, and I would love to, like, create that civilization. Right. Where we take, like, our talents and we take our, we, we teach our kids and we, and we teach, like, and we, we, we produce our business and we put money in our community. And we put, like, I would love that. And the only way you know to do that is to get away from supremacy and not just not saying that, you know, and, I, I, and I've already said, I'm not going to keep saying that not every white person's bad. I'm not going to keep saying that because there's no point in talking about that when we do know what goes on. We do know that they they poison us just like with the water in Jackson, Mississippi. We do know these things. OK, so people just turn a blind eye to it and we can't. 
Okay, so you talk about playing the race card and this and that, all that bullshit that you guys talk about. There's no such thing as a race card. And my thing is, y'all keep playing the game. Okay, y'all set up the game. And even even Meghan Markle, that poor lady, you know, who she's been harassed by these people for all this time. She was out there uh, shaking hands and there were white people who didn't want to shake her hand. You know, how crazy is that? That she's out there shaking hands with people and they're like, no. During this, during this procession kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the queen goes into the the ground uh, to Monday the 19th. And, um, Bury that bitch 18 feet on so she can be closer to hell. You know, and, and they killed Diana. I mean... <laughs> well, of course. You know, she was the only one doing a lot of things for the poor, and they couldn't stand that. And, you know, there's a lot of people who let... I mean, and, to, and just to be honest with you, I thought, I, I, I thought Diana was her daughter. That lets you know how much of a fuck I gave about her. I thought Princess Diana was her daughter. Mm. Damn. Yeah. No, I, she, didn't know it was her, I didn't know it was her daughter-in-law. No, she hated that. She hated Princess, Princess Diana. Did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, so like the thing started thinking funny was funny was like I was seeing the memes of like when she died, like when they, not when she died, but like when she yeah. Like, when the queen died, died. yeah. Yeah, they were showing like how Princess Diana gonna fight her in heaven. I'm like, yeah. first of all, Princess Diana's going to heaven. Princess Princess Diana's in heaven. Yeah. Where she's going is gonna be real hot. Um, <laughs> so but I was like, but they was like fire her mom, but why would she fight her mom? Yeah, no, Princess Diana was really, she's the one who, and, and Meghan Markle is who they're kind of treating like Princess Diana right now. Um, they're really treating Meghan Markle horribly over there. Um, and Meghan Markle actually said, you know, she never even thought about her as a black woman until she got to Britain. She never thought about her, because she's, you know, she's mixed. I don't know if you, you know, seen yeah, her. Yeah, I know. Um, she, you know. And a lot of a lot of mixed people don't think about race until they get racism on their front door. And that is sad. Yeah, I mean, because we don't teach. I'm, and I know you hate this word, but I'm not even saying it. Go, say, this is you. I need you to say what you want. <laughs> um. So this is the same, so this is why, I'm like, you know, we my mother used to say all the time, like, I don't care how much white you got in you. They gonna see you as a nigger. Always, yeah. Oh, I, I use that that word on this show. Don't worry about that. <laughs> they gonna always see you as a nigger, like no matter how much white you got. Yeah, and you know a lot of you know a lot of people. Uh, Mariah Carey is a person who's always you know people have gone back and forth with about her, but she's always been talked about her blackness, and she she even said it's the one drop rule. You got one drop of black, you're black. Period. And the, and the thing is, like, I have, I have Caucasian in my family. Well, we all, I mean, we all do. French and Caucasian in my family. And we were I, raped, uh, so yeah. <laughs> you said what? Well, a lot of us were raped by. Um, right. I have, you know, so it's still like because I have like very fair skin, uh, aunties and stuff, and some of my. Family like they're they're white past. Some people can be white passing. So you know it's just that 
and even going to like Southern, seeing those 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 people who are um, biracial mm-hmm. and how they are treated once they get into a white area. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, they told me that I was told. They'd be like, well, I feel like I'm not black enough. I don't feel like I'm not white enough. That's 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 something like that's something you have to deal with. And Meghan Markle, like the reason why black was do you because if you if you say that you're if you if, if, like meet your blackness, like with with a matter of fact, a perfect example, Alicia Keys. We never had to question Alicia Keys' race because Alicia Keys has always been very pro black. Like she has always been that black woman, right? Yeah, I mean, but she looks, you know. More. Yeah, I would say Alicia Keys compared to Meghan Markle. You know, you yeah. like like back in the day when they had the like passing where people would pass as white, you know, and yeah. get away with but it. But even but but even President Obama, he's biracial. Yeah, but he's definitely black. You know, you, you you there are people who you know look black per se. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean it's a whole thing. Um, let's. Just found out what's his name from what? Um, uh, what's that show? He's black. Who? He's white, but he's black. He, like, he has black. He, he's mixed. Oh, funny thing. Um, I don't know if you ever seen Pretty Little Liars. Did you ever seen Pretty Little Liars? No. No. There was a show called Pretty Little Liars, and there's a character on Pretty Little Liars by the name of Spencer. Spencer is a. She plays a white girl on the show, mm-hmm. but she's actually. A mix. She's actually mixed. Mm. Tori Kelly. I appreciate her, Tori Kelly. Yes. Tori Kelly is mixed. Oh, I didn't know that. She's mixed with Jamaican and white. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Now, <laughs> I ain't trying to um go down her bloodline, but Jamaican is you know there are many white people in Jamaica now. What? Yeah, what does she but, mean by she's mixed with Jamaican and white? Because there are white Jamaicans her, out there too. Her, no, her her father is a black Jamaican. Okay, because Sean Paul <laughs> Sean Paul is actually uh, white, I believe, something like that. You said what? Sean Paul is actually white. The reggae singer, a, ra- a rapper, whatever. Did you know that? <laughs> Look like I shocked you. <laughs> Yeah. Let's uh let's get I think I got a few more minutes here before this thing kicks me out. Um I wanted to get into uh, I think I'm going to bypass this uh story because we we are going a little long in the tooth because we do like to talk. Um yeah. Stacy uh, Abrams uh I think I was going to do this in the next segment anyway. Um Stacey Abrams is saying that abortion is a medical decision, not a political decision. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into that right now. Um, we are my stance on abortion. Yeah, um, yeah, women's rights, you know, all that. Even, even um, trans men, you know, who who are able to get pregnant, you know, are at risk of that. Um, so you know, we'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back 
I've got questions. Larry is back with me. Um, and this time we are going into America is racist. We are going to first start with this story. Tyler Perry says he does not want to talk about race with his seven year old. Uh, this is Vicki Dillard, um, who is I love her so much. She she tells it like it fucking is. Let me tell you, she tells it like it is. Um, let's get into her. Peace, family. My name is Vicki Dillard, and I'm so pleased to be a contributor here on African Diaspora News Channel. Family, listen to this story. Tyler Perry, with his funny-looking self, <laughs> has the nerve to tell AARP, which you all know that's the organization for 50-year-olds and up, for, for older, um, you know, more, I'm more senior, mature. Let's say I'm a mature generation because 50 is not old. And the AARP publication, they do have quite a few white subscribers, right? So he tells them, watch this, Tyler Perry won't be talk, having the talk with his son anytime soon because despite increased racial tensions in the country, he doesn't want a seven-year-old to have to think about those issues. Not yet. It goes on to say, I don't want to tell him that there are people who will judge him because of the color of his skin because right now he's in school with every race, and all these kids are in their purest form. When what? he describes his friends, he never defines them by, by race. This is such ignorance, family. The same way some of you mothers, if you're in the kitchen cooking and you will warn your baby about staying away from the stove because you don't want your babies to get burned, there's a danger that exists. The same way, daddies, if you're outside cutting the grass or working on the car and you got the little one near you, you tell the little one, you know, don't start up the car, don't touch the engine, don't do this because you don't want them to be harmed. If there's a car that's getting ready to come real quick uh, 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 around the block, you make sure to tell them stay within the yard, don't you go outside of the fence. When there is danger, you're supposed to an, a, a mature and respond. I mean, I think the difference here is that he's very, very, very rich. And um, I think that his child probably doesn't have to really worry about it right now. But I don't agree with it at all. I don't agree with it at all because it, I, there was an episode of the Wonderful Basketball Show. There was an episode of All American where, um, you know, one of the characters on there is mixed and they're very, like, well-off family. And um, they ran, had to run in with the police. And he thought that, you know, because of the fact that he was one rich and that, you know, all this status of the mom was the, was the DA, he thought that because of that, he could get off with the police. But they still didn't see him for anything else other than the color of his skin. Right. And that's what the same thing I'm saying about, you know, the mixed people uh, uh, and even some black people who, who never will say black lives matter. Um, they never... Or, or black people who say they don't think about that race thing or they don't get into that, they never have to worry about it until it hits their doorstep. Yeah. Principal parents prepare their babies for danger. Tyler, don't, you don't look righteous, baby. You don't look holy. You don't look like, you know, you're, you're, a, you're you know, some saint. You look like a nut. A wally wall nut at that. Mm. You are someone, in my opinion, that's very dangerous for your child. And family, when you look at the publications that's covering this story, there are a lot of major white publications that are having this discussion about what Tyler Perry said. That should tell you everything you need to know there. 
Right. And, and that's a lot of the danger I feel like when we do, when we don't talk about race as certain statures, right? Because yeah. you then allow people to say, well, Tyler Perry said it's it's nothing to worry about. And the thing is that itself is a danger for everybody, not just him, not just your family within. It like it kind of invalidates everything that we preach, everything that we talk about. Exactly, exactly. There. Because when the white publications are discussing these kinds of things, they want them, the dominant society, to feel at ease. Mm-hmm. Still being around us. That's them sig- uh, signaling to their audience that we're still no threat even in the face of injustice and mass murder. That's letting them know everything is still all right. To oppress, to steal, to kill, to destroy. From black folks in America, and by extension, those around the world. That's very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's get into this next story. Um, Police arrest a former Marine for disarming an attacker. There's a man, a former Marine. He disarms an individual, doesn't kill them like the police would have. Disarms a person. Police come, they lock up the veteran, okay? He's the good guy here. Let's put his picture up for a mask. Yeah, you guessed correctly. Lloyd Muldrow, all right? Mr. Muldrow is a good person. He did the right thing. Disarmed somebody without the need to kill them. Let me give you the background on this miscarriage of justice. According to the Washington Times, 57-year-old Lloyd Muldrow was meeting with friends at the Tequila Sunset Bar on July 4th when a fight broke out. Okay, people fight. It's a bar. Patrons Wesley Henderson and Marshall Cullens got into a fight. Henderson reportedly became upset when his ex-girlfriend began dancing with colors. <laughs> that is the genesis of the fight. Okay. And, and I've told a, a story on here about, and I'm just going to remind people really quick. Um, I was with a white female friend and we had nothing going on. Literally, we stopped at a bar to get a drink, had a drink, and this was the second time I was ever called nigger. Um, oh, wow. We walked, we were walking out the bar, right? So we sat there for about 25, 30 minutes. Walking out the bar, my my back towards the door, someone says, nigger. I turn, I, at first, I, she was like, oh my, you know, oh my God. And then, you know, I'm walking out and I was like, you know what? No, I turned back around, walked back inside and I just stood there and no one said a word. Not one word was said so what it actually turned out and then we found out later um it was a friend of mine's a white friend of mine's dad who was a part of the fire department or some kind of law enforcement kind of thing um you know so that meant he was around town doing whatever anyway so you know these kind of things do happen when you're just a black person you're the only black person huh Minding your business. Yeah, you're the only black person minding your business, not doing anything wrong, and then they see you, and nigger is the first thing they say. According to the ex-Marine, the former Marine, Mr. Maldro, 
Henderson brandished a firearm, took out a gun, and said, and I quote, I'll kill everyone. Well, obviously, everybody got scared, except for this ex-Marine. Henderson reportedly hit Collins several times with the gun. Collins was bleeding profusely. Marjorie, who served in the Marine Corps, Security Force Regiment, reacted by knocking Henderson to the ground and holding him down until the police arrived. When I got there, I saw him, Collins, bleeding profusely from his head. It looked like he had a gunshot wound to his forehead, said the former Marine. I have taught Marines hand-to-hand combat for many years, added Muldrow. I have disarmed several enemies, he goes on to say, as well as IEDs, which are improvised explosive devices. My natural reaction was to do as I was trained for my country. The police arrived and did not find Henderson's weapon, despite the witnesses confirming the man had brandished a gun, that he had a weapon. However, the former Marine, Mr. Muldrow, was armed with a registered 22 caliber Beretta M9. He had it in his holster, on his hip, while several police officers reportedly thanked him for stopping the altercation. A supervisor came. So keep in mind, nobody has arrested Mr. Muldrow. They thanked him. We appreciate what you did here. You probably saved lives. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your service to the country and to the citizens today. Then a supervisor comes. Supervisor comes. He decided to arrest Mr. Muldrow. He ordered his officers to lock him up and charge him with a weapons violation and aggravated assault. Do you hear me? A weapons violation and aggravated assault. He assaulted nobody. Every witness said, no, this man saved our lives. Why are you arresting him? All right, a question is this. The cops could not find the firearm. Let me go ahead and help everybody peep game because obviously the police don't know what happened. <laughs> there was a gun. He brandished the gun. And I believe he said exactly what all the witnesses say he said. When the fight broke out and Mr. Maldrow was able to disarm the man, that man had somebody in the restaurant that had his back. Mm-hmm. He had the gun for him. That's all that happened. There's nothing more. Every witness said they saw the gun. They are not connected to Mr. Maldrow. Well, uh, you know, the only thing I can imagine, too, is that also this guy was the the attacker he must have been uh friends with the cop yeah you know and that's why when we talk about defunding the police and, and whatnot it's simply because you don't know who's who yep. i mean just talk about the insurrection there are lots of guys who were cops police officers. yeah who yeah so we just don't know yeah we don't know who's who Honestly, we are the only country where a police officer carries guns. So, um, one number one, because their their objective is never to protect. Their objective is to kill. They were. This was like you can't take. You can't take something that was built out of racism and try to make it for the people. Right. Like. <laughs> like, uh, and, and and I've said this. Remind people of why the police were made. They weren't made. For, for protecting, they were made to stop black people. They were made to kill black people. Yeah. It wasn't even to, to, to arrest them. It was to literally shoot them on sight. Yeah. 
From the beginning. From the beginning, and that's what they've been still doing. Shooting us on sight. Yeah. Um, as we continue on with this America's Racist, and we're going a little uh, quick, uh, just because I want Larry to stay a part of this, uh, because he does have to shoot out. Um, we're going to go into this next story, um, and this should you know, talk to you a little bit um, more because you've been a teacher and educator for so long. Uh, this former principal was, has finally been charged. Now, he was not charged. Uh, it's a three-month-old video. He was never charged until public outcry finally did something. This child that he shoved is autistic. And he just... And uh, Have you seen this video? No. Okay. I've never heard of it. Perfect. So I, I want you, I want to see your reaction to this, and let's uh, let's take a look at this. A former school principal in California faces a misdemeanor charge after a three-month-old video of him pushing a student with special needs has come to light. The Fresno Unified School District says Brian Volhart was put on administrative leave after the June incident. He resigned in August following an internal investigation. The video from inside the cafeteria of a school shows the student, who officials say is 11 years old, getting upset and pointing at Volhard. Instead of de-escalating the situation, according to the superintendent, Volhard aggressively shoved the child down to the ground. The district says the student is physically okay, and they have been working to support him and his family since the incident occurred. The district says it took immediate action against Volhard. There is absolutely no excuse for this appalling behavior and this conduct is absolutely not tolerated. Now, now they can try to clean this up if they need to, but they they removed him from that school and then he became a, a vice principal somewhere else. So Misty Her, you know, fuck off, Misty Her, because you, you, you didn't do anything. They didn't do anything until this video got blown up. Like, I just, I, I really feel like, and uh, this is going to bring, bring probably some people be like, you need to probably shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, I think I, so I think I, I, I think I've told you before, I really do feel like segregation was a great idea. <laughs> well, just because you do have to go. So explain what you meant, mean by that. So, um, like with the idea of separate, but equal. Like, as long as we're separate but equal, I'm okay with that. Um, and, like, we can be separate. We can be distant. We, we can, like, we can run our own banks, run our own schools, run our own stores, run our own towns. We can do all of these things separate but equal. Because when you start, like, mixing that stuff in, like, like I think that black people as a whole lost something when it's when, when we went into integration mm -hmm. and it built for a bigger platform for students to be like not students it would be for white people to be more to be racist but be racist on a bigger level on mm -hmm. a level where it's sneaky and it's and it's not really seen but it's still done does mm -hmm. that make sense yeah absolutely yeah. And um, like, at least with segregation, you had 
like race, like because we were all over everything, and you couldn't really affect us from making our money and making this and doing this because we're not being technically, basically, we're not even ran by your like we're not following by your game or playing your rules of your game. Once it became integrated, now we have you've put us in a situation where now we have to play the game that the rules have been set against us. Right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but in, in, you know, still, we still, even if we were segregated, and, and not that I disagree with what you're saying, um, like, like what we're going to talk about uh, with the water, it's what they control, right? So even if we were segregated, we would still have to worry about what they could do to us in some kind of form, policing, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even understand why there are white police officers in black neighborhoods. I will never, ever understand that. Um, and that's what I mean. So, stuff like that. So, you know, I feel like we should be able to power over our people, our own people. Right. Like, if, if like, yeah, we should be able to, because we know what we need. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we know how to interact with 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 our with us. Yes. I feel like you. I feel like as a police officer in a police district, a police officer not govern over a community unless he's from there. Yeah. Like, I can't. Like, I feel like because of like for let's take my little small town. We have like seven neighborhoods, and we have like areas called the Brickyard, right? the Round Yard, the the um, Riverton. I feel like if I'm, if I'm not from the brickyard, I shouldn't govern. I shouldn't protect or police in rivers. Because you don't understand. Because I don't know the culture over there. Right. I know the culture in the brickyard. So right. I should be able to do what I need to do in the brickyard. Right. But instead, they want to uh, make sure that veterans are, you know, officers first. And they come back and, and they want to kill brown people anyway. Black and brown people anyway. Um... Uh, let me skip that because I really want to talk about this really quick um, or get into this. Um, let's just start this up. Um, I'm at the 18 minute mark with you. You told me 30 minutes I had, so <laughs> let's go. Players on Callaway High School's football team are continuing to show up for practice despite the fact that their city is in the middle of one of the worst water crises in modern American history. You ain't got no water at home. It's a struggle to get water right now. Make sure y'all get a case of water from back there and take home with you, okay? If you need something washed, leave it in the pile right here. Everybody good? Yes, sir. I just got a break. With only a day left before a game against their biggest rival, the district was scrambling to find a school with running water for the teams to play. What kind of struggles are your players coming to you with? The the biggest issue that they are having is that I, they come to as coach. I go home and I can't even take a bath. So I try Jesus. to structure my practice to where we're not on the ground as much. We know that these are hard times and a lot of people have to deal with it in different ways. So as coaches, we want to be there for them to help. Coach Brown lives outside of Jackson and has resorted to doing the team's laundry so they have clean clothes to wear at practice, games, and school. Little to no water has meant no showers after practice and nothing to drink from the tap. 
for people that you know don't play football and don't understand what it is to play in Mississippi Heat. Yeah, he do. Yeah. Could you play a whole season with the water crisis the way it is? Nah. No I bring my own water. You you don't drink out the fountains at all. No, because nah. like we had history like Jackson. It's like we always on the box before the water alert. Like yeah. at one time. You never know when you want to. So you can't really you can't really trust the water. Yeah. Is it does it ever make you mad knowing that you're up against football teams that haven't had to go through what you guys are going through? Oh, no. It doesn't make you make you work hard. It isn't that the story with black people, and, and that's why I think that we've become so desensitized to so many things where we don't rally together as much because you just have to keep working no matter what. You just have to keep going. You're, you, you live in uh, Mississippi. You know, go ahead. Speak. Um, so, one, this reminds me of a flint. Same flat situation. Yeah. Um, I, the funny thing is that that high school is literally right around the corner from where I was. Um, this earlier, I was at my aunt's house, and they stayed literally around the corner from there. Wow. So you know, when I walked to my aunt's house, I saw like like big old jugs of um, mm. of water mm. from uh, like you know the water you put into the dispensers. Mm. So like several big jugs of that, and you know me asking them. You know, uh, how are y'all, like, showering? How are y'all, like, like cleaning? Like, how are y'all able to do this? And they were like, well, you know, we, we boil our water and, you know, we put it to the side or we, like, take some water. Like, we got, you know, we got to take a shower. We'll take some, a gallon, a little bit of this water from the gallon. We'll pour it in, like, a bowl and pour it. What we got to do is we'll boil it, get it hot, and then uh, from there we'll start, like, we'll clean. Like, it'll stay hot long enough for us to wash our mm. bodies, you know? Mm. That is barbaric. Right. That that is a situation. That's what people do when they um, they don't. You know, they it's 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 uh, it's hard to explain when you're in it because when you're in it, it shows that people don't like you like the things that are minor, minor basic needs. Minor basic needs um, of of just needing and needing to have like just basic things or just something as small as water mm. can be controlled by racism. Mm. And you look at it as what the fuck can we do? Mm. You are willing because here's the thing. So the surrounding areas, Brandon, Madison, Ridgeland, um, these are all all towns and cities that that surround Jackson Metro. Jackson is mainly full of black people. Mm-hmm. The only place that's having this issue with water is Jackson, <laughs> right? Ridgeland, where my cousin stays, she she stays like a little bit down. She stays in Ridgeland. I like so. Are y'all having an issue? Like, no, we haven't had an issue at all. Richmond, Madison, no, we're not having an issue at all. Brandon, we're not having an issue at all. And these are all predominantly white places. It is alarming. Like, you can't even go to a restaurant. I went to Zaxby's, um, and um, <laughs> I ordered some food from Zaxby's. They were like, well, we can't give you any ice, so we're just going to give you some. Uh, they gave me a canned soda. 
Wow, wow. <laughs> because of the fountain. But that is just something that's minor. Like, imagine having to uh, brush your teeth in the morning. Wow. Imagine having to, like, take a shower. Like, and I stayed in the Airbnb in, in Jackson earlier uh, this day, and it, I was so afraid to take a shower. Like, now I'm afraid to take a shower right now, but they said that, that the water crisis is like, it's, it's, it's better, but, you know, let your water run on hot for a while. So, um, and I, I bet you there's no, I bet you you're still getting taxed for your water bill. Yeah, pretty you, sure they are. You know, it, it's, 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 you, you get fucked coming or going. Yeah, you do, and it's, it is ridiculous because you have to live through these, through these conditions regardless of, like, because some people ain't got, no, some people ain't got, some people don't have anywhere to go. And imagine being a person who is going through this and then you're late for work and your job fires you. Yeah. You know, it's like we get hit from everywhere and like the, the young boys are saying, no, we just have to work harder. Look what we go through, and y'all say, "Don't play the race card. Stop worrying about race. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it." We. Sp- and you know what? And the the um, the governor, our our beloved, stupid, retarded, ignorant ass governor, said something. I said something uh, when he went to Hattiesburg. If you don't know about Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Hattiesburg is where the United the, the University of Southern Mississippi is, and that is a predominantly white institution. So, majority of the people that stays in Hattiesburg are Caucasian. He went down to Hattiesburg and made the comment of, "I am so happy to be out of Jackson, Mississippi." Oh, not a care in the world. This is the same man who who turned funds around, who to, who returned funds for healthcare. Because he didn't want, he didn't want, quote unquote, a a liberal um, uh, handout. This is the same man who allowed rich people to steal money from welfare. Mm. And the sad part is, people keep voting in people like this. Right. Well, they're voting by by racism. Yeah. They're not, you know, like, like it's like it's it's like Trump, right? He didn't do anything for anyone, but you no. keep wanting him to win because he's racist. And you you were talking about rich people with uh, welfare. Uh, by the way, recently Brett Favre, one of the most uh, known about uh, NFL players, the Mississippi welfare fraud case. He is another person who's currently in a fraud case about welfare. Brett Favre. Yeah, he's from Mississippi. Rich people still in welfare. Yeah. So, and also as well, too, like, it's... I can't... And it's funny because I can't even fully blame white people. And it sickens me because we... Mississippi are... We, we are so complacent with what we've been given. Black people in Mississippi are so... We've been through so much shit in Mississippi to the point where we are so desensitized. Yeah. We're just like, okay. As long as you get to live <laughs> to the next day, it's like, that's all it is. It's, and it's very much so that. Like, like it, it's like we've been, we've had, but 
everywhere. Like they treat, but everywhere treat us like we are less than. People, even our own black people treat us like we're less than. I can't tell a person I'm from Mississippi because they're going to automatically think I'm ignorant. I had a conversation, a guy, literally, while I was at work, um, he he was like, you know, he was like, so where are you from? I said, oh, I was born and raised here in Clarksdale. He was like, you were raised, born and raised here? I was like, yes, I was born and raised here in Clarksdale. He was like, huh, I don't hear it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He was like, no, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't hear the accent. I don't hear a, a Clarksdale accent. It sounds like you're more so from up north. Mm. Cause, cause you, you're educated. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, sir. Well, so I'm not sure where it comes from because my, my whole family talks like it. So, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what Clarksdale sounds like. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's something we go through so much. And, um, you know, if you could send $12 billion in aid to the Ukraine, why in the world is Jackson, Mississippi having to get water from Georgia? That's not even it. If you could send that much money to Ukraine, why is Flint, Michigan still having the same issue? Same. Newark. Why is Newark having the same issue? Newark, New Jersey. Like. We are being. Why is New Orleans still suffering from Hurricane Katrina? Why? Why is Lake Charles still suffering from uh, Hurricane um, Gustav? Yeah. Not Gustav, but the last one, the one that just came and passed by. Like, these are questions that you have to ask yourself. Like, these are questions you have to ask the government. And, like, every time we bring this topic up, now you have to deflect to something else. We're going to stop student debt. I don't give a fuck about the loans. Right. (laughs) I can't even drink water. The loans are going to be in default until I can pay them. You can't even have uh, clean drinking water. They want you to be excited about this and that. I don't give a fuck about a student loan. (laughs) Because that $20,000 that you want to, to take off of my bill, I'm about to get it back by going to grad school. So, I don't not understanding why, like, why is this a topic? Like, we need to talk about what's really going Like, your job is not to argue um, shit that you're arguing. And then, even for black people to be so blinded by a lot of the shit that goes on, instead of, like, it's like, it's like that, that, um, you ever seen Up on Disney? Yeah. You know, the dog, he was like, he was talking, he was like, squirrel. Mm. And go right back to the conversation. Mm. I feel like that's that's a lot of times what black people do. Well, again, and, and, and not that I disagree with that, but we know why. Because we have too much on our plate. We do. And until but we stop... Us to be, but see, you expect us to be law-abiding citizens. You right. expect us to be effective citizens of, of society. Right. You expect us to be movers, shakers, um, the, the everything. You expect us to be everything, but you tell us y'all are lazy. Y'all don't want to work. Y'all don't want to do anything. When you've taken away everything that we have tried to do for ourselves. Right. You have taken it. You can't even give us something as a basic human need and that is water in america every i don't 
I should still be able to get clean water. In America. This is America. And people want to come here. And black and like, the funny thing is, people want to come here and black folks are like, no, you don't. <laughs> right. Like, but the ones who want to come over here are white people. Or Indian or Asian. Or Indian. Those people who they don't see as a as a threat, so they treat them better than they treat us. Yeah. And let's just be honest. The reason why we have, we, we the reason why we have have um, gone this far is because of black people. Had there been nobody here, no black people here, y'all would still be shitting in a pot and throwing it outside. And they don't recognize that. They don't really recognize or give tribute to us. That we, because of us, because we walked, because we got beat, because we were murdered and raped and lynched and everything, that they are allowed to be here. Yeah. Well, listen, Larry, I I totally appreciate your conversation, uh, as always. Um, I'm I'm very happy that you were able to speak from uh, a, a Mississippian, I guess that's what you would call it, uh, point of view, especially on this topic. Um, but, uh, I do wish you, well, obviously we're going to talk later, but, or sometime, (laughs) um, I do, yeah, I do wish you well. And, and like he said, uh, Larry said he will be having an event, uh, next April, um, look up his page 50 yard stitch is five zero Y A R D S T I C H 50 yard stitch. Um, to hit him up about these uh, this event and all of the great things that he does. He does a lot of great things for the community. Um, and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on your show. This has been fun. My first uh, guest ever. I know. And I am <laughs> I am so flattered, love. Like, I'm you. You're most welcome, love. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Maybe she'll be back sometime. Oh, you will. <laughs> you must come back. You must come back because we were supposed to do more, but we talked so long in the first segment. So I do appreciate even everything that you've given to us in this audience. Um, we really appreciate it. I appreciate it definitely wholeheartedly. Um, go do your thing. Be safe out there. Um, and we'll be back, guys. All right, and we are back. This is I've Got Questions. Again, I want to thank my friend there, Larry, for joining us on Le Program. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, sir. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to keep going with uh, the news now. Um, let's get into this Philadelphia man who walked over 400 miles to retrace the Underground Railroad uh, in honor of Harriet Tubman who was a great woman, a warrior, the woman king. Let's, th- let's say she is one of the women kings that have uh, graced our presence in this world. It's good to be, it's good to be in Buffalo. You know, sometime between yesterday and this morning, I crossed over the 400-mile mark. Ken Johnston is a walking artist from Philadelphia, and he's walking to honor Harriet Tubman and others by retracing the walk to freedom on the Underground Railroad route. This journey is to commemorate the 200th uh, anniversary of Harriet Tubman's birthday. A journey he started in December 2019 in Maryland, a place Tubman traveled 
to rescue her brothers. It was supposed to be kind of a low-key walk, but then her story just kind of overwhelmed me. And uh, after completing the first 140 miles to Philadelphia, I wanted to keep going. And, uh, and that's what she said. If you want to taste of freedom, just keep going. Kobe put the brakes on the walk, but in 2021, he walked from Philly to New York City. And this year, on July 14th, he resumed the final leg. From um, Harlem, where... Now, let's just be... Because I was wondering, 2019, I'm like, damn... You were walking slow, but obviously, as they just said, he took some breaks. Um, you know, the people who had to travel on the Underground Railroad, um, which is which was not so long ago. Um, I think not. Not Sunny Hostin. Um, she had put something up about um, you know white people having to have this thought that. You know, pretty much, you know, slavery and things of that nature was so long ago, um, but it really, really wasn't. And I got in the mix of that and talked about it too, because there, there is that thought that oh, it happened so long ago, and you know, just get over it. And it's just like y'all are still benefiting off of what happened, and not just white people, y'all. I mean, the government, y'all, because I had to get into some lady's ass pretty much and let her know. You know, stop thinking about, well, let me say this. You want to always wonder, and I told her, about who's going to pay for it. Are white people going to pay for it? And not, not ever is the thought that actual white people, my neighbor and, and the, the, whoever down the street, as a white person would have to pay for reparations. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out where that thought could really, really come from and how stupid you must be to really think that you're going to go into your pocket and pay black people. That's just a dumb idea. And just for you thinking it, you know, I have to call it stupid. Because why would you think that, right? And it must be something that these Republican and other people who want you to kind of think so you can have these thoughts against reparations because there's no one who would ever think that. I don't think any black person is going to think a white person who's standing right next to them should be paying them from out their pocket. That's not a true thought. Um, the government, in fact, is who should be paying, just like they paid the Native Americans, just like they paid Jewish people uh, reparations. Black people have never gotten their fair share. 40 mules in a mile, 40, uh, 40 acres in a, uh, a mule, excuse me, <laughs> um, was never really given because, you know, we've seen land taken away and you know black people's farms taken away and black farmers are still going through things which i think we talked about on the last show about how black farmers are treated in this country um but the thought that you know you would think that you're going to come out of your pocket is just a stupid idea and it's really it really uh continues to just show how you don't want to really think about what happened you only want to think about who, where the money is going to come from. And um, I, I don't know where, how that thought really has uh, protruded in their heads um, when obviously you weren't there and neither was I. But guess what? My people, the black people, had to suffer and are still suffering from systemic issues of racism. Um, and I know we already went through uh, America's races, but <laughs> clearly, you know, um, the topics around race are everywhere. Um, you know, again, I don't think black people want to think about racism. We don't want to.
but we keep getting uh, hit by it from every which way we can and every which way we, we walk down the street, you know, barbecuing, bird watching, whatever. It, it seems to always come our way and in the form of police brutality. Um, you know, I was watching a video earlier where uh, a man had uh, was getting put, thrown out of court because he, you know, had an issue with, I guess, whatever the ruling was. But he was voicing his opinion, and this white cop grabbed him by the neck. And the black cop, there was a black cop who was arresting him also, who uh, did not agree with that. And he stopped him. And, and, and I immediately said, this is why they need to be defunded, because here you have two police officers with two different uh, ideotas, I guess, of what should be going on right now. One is grabbing him by the neck, and one is just removing him. You know, that thought that we must be so aggressive towards black people is instilled in police. It truly is. And I'm not going to go one by one, cop by cop. I can't do that because of what happens, right? So I really feel uh, still, you know, the, the funding the police really needs to happen. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have police because there are people who break the law. We do need people to protect citizens. But what we don't need is, you know, the rough housing and whatnot, and I think that you know, doing what this guy is doing by walking the 400 miles is, you know, pretty admirable. It's, it's something that many people can't even do, um, and which is why he probably took those breaks. But you got to really think about all the the people, the black people who tried to get away from racism and slavery, and you know, were killed as they did try. Um, so. Again, I, I think that, um, you know, what he's doing is, is admirable, but um, you, the horrors that they, that they had to go through while trying to get away from hate, you can't, you can't not think about that. There is a Harriet Tubman Memorial statue. This is Ken walking in Rochester. He made it to Buffalo with a clear sign on his back. He's going from New York to Canada. This was that end point of that corridor to freedom. Free black community that was here at that time during the 1850s when she would have been traveling through this area uh, welcomed her and assisted her and her passengers. Welcome, the mural where we met, ironically painted by his brother. Tubman was often called Black Moses for leading people out of slavery. The famed abolitionist face will eventually be on $20 bills. History with a stamp right here in Buffalo. And Ken Johnston is soaking it all in and educating along the way. I hope to um, just continue telling the story of what it felt like for the soul of souls that came this way. What it felt like the sensory experience under their feet, um, however they travel here. His journey ends in an area where Tubman and others found freedom. Salem Baptist Church that Harriet Tubman attended in St. Catherine, Ontario. And if you look at, you know, him, and like I said, it's definitely admirable, his story and what he's doing and why he's doing it. And of course, while he's doing it, he must feel, you know, but I got to look at him and, and just think about, you know, he has on these very good walking shoes. That's not something they had. He had a backpack that, you know, it's probably lined and made sure that the rain wasn't going in his backpack to make things wet. They didn't have things like that. So... You know, I, like I said, it's very admirable what he's doing, but I think we, we still have to remember what, 
you know, we could never really know what they went through trying to get away from hate, but um, it must have been really hard and really tough uh, to, to, obviously it, it was, but, um, you know, just walking 400 miles, that's a lot, especially back in the day and, and trying to hide from people that were filled and, and filled with hate and, and brutality in their hearts. Um, next story I want to get into, and this is a, a story that a lot of people have been talking about, um, and I've talked about human trafficking on here, and I've gotten pretty emotional about it because human trafficking, period, you know, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, it has no soul uh, identity. You know, um, these people prey upon people who are just trying to, you know, most of the time just going to the store and then they get stolen or kidnapped and then forced into a life of horror. Um, let's get into the story. A 17-year-old human trafficking victim was ordered to pay her alleged rapist family. Um, you know, what kind of judge are you to actually strike down a decision like this. Tonight, a teenager, the alleged victim of unspeakable crimes of human trafficking and rape, after fatally stabbing her alleged rapist, will stay out of prison. But a court ruling Piper Lewis must pay $150,000 to the family of the man who raped her. The events that took place on that horrific day cannot be changed as much as I wish they could. 17-year-old Lewis pleading guilty to involuntary manslaughter and willful injury in the 2020 killing of 37-year-old Zachary Brooks. She says he raped her multiple times in the weeks before his death. I wish the events that took place on June 1st, 2020 never occurred, but to say there's only one victim to this story is absurd. Her charges punishable by up to 10 years each in prison, but the judge taking a different path at sentencing. Ms. Lewis, I will defer your judgment. Lewis given five years of probation, but she could be sent to prison if she violates any part of that. Her conviction also carries an automatic requirement by Iowa law to pay restitution to Brooks's estate. The judge saying the court was, quote, presented with no other option. Lewis is a... Uh, you, you had another option, bro. Um, you definitely had another option. Is to not do that? That wasn't an option to not make her have five years of probation and you gotta you gotta really think about what probation is and a lot of people don't they just see someone who may have committed something or a crime and then handed down a sentence and they're just like well i guess you know that's the law or whatever but it's really not you don't probation can be very very difficult you know you could literally have an emergency have to go you know if, if you're home confined have to go to the, the hospital or something, and you could go back to prison if a judge decides, well, you know, I still told you what to do, and then you didn't do it. Um, I think Meek Mill is a, a, a rapper, you know, he, he is a good um, example of that, where he wasn't really doing anything and then had to go back and, and fight, you know, a sentence uh, because he was on probation. And five years is such a long time where you can mess up in, in the slightest of way and be sent back to prison. Five years where you have to pretty much, you know, live perfectly to their standards, um, to the 
judicial system standards, um, which can be very tricky. Attorney disagreeing at sentencing. If you defer judgment, Mr. Brooks' estate is not entitled to any restitution whatsoever. And he, frankly, his estate doesn't deserve it because of his own conduct. A GoFundMe started for Lewis has now exceeded that amount, saying the excess money will support her continued education. Lewis was just 15 when she stabbed Brooks more than 30 times in a Des Moines apartment. Officials say she was a runaway, seeking to escape an abusive foster home. Piper said in court that a man took her in before forcibly trafficking her to other men for sex. Mm. She testified that one of those men was Brooks, who repeatedly raped her at knife point. We reached out to Brooks's attorney, but have not heard back. Police and prosecutors have not disputed Lewis was assaulted and trafficked, but they have argued that Brooks was asleep at the time he was stabbed and not an immediate threat. Oh my God. Oh my God. Y'all are horrible. You're horrible people, right? Here's a, a lady. Uh, no, she's not a lady. She's a girl. A young, young. I usually, I don't like using girl for, for older women or women pretty much over 18, 21. Um, here's a, a young girl who was taken at 15 years old and then raped over and over and over by this man. But because he was asleep, you have a problem with that? So, so when I need to escape a brutal person, a horrible maniac, if he's asleep, I should just, you know, oh, let me, let me, let me tiptoe. I'm going to tiptoe out. And, and get out of here. Do you not? We have stories from everywhere. And I talked about Stockholm Syndrome uh, with black people. But Stockholm Syndrome is, you know, it has no real uh, victimology, right? You can, you can literally be, like, there's, there's the story of these three women in Ohio who were kidnapped. And they were held for over 13 years or something like that in this guy's house. And if you have the chance to get away, you're going to try. And you should try. And you should not be held accountable for what happens when you finally break free. Because her stabbing him 30 times, you may hear that as excessive. But you have to remember, this is someone who was held at knife point, being raped. Okay? And then uh, made to have sex with people that she did not want to have sex with. Right? Because she's a female and then these men are monsters. So then you have this young girl who's held at knife point, who then has the, the, I would say PTSD at that point, because once you have a knife in your hand, yeah, you're probably going to go fucking berserk. You're not going to be on some, oh, well, I'm going to stab him once and run. No, you want to make sure he's not moving, okay? So you can make sure you get away. So to hold her down, like the way this judge is doing, it's, it's disgusting. Today telling NBC News, they quote, recommended that she goes to a woman's facility to provide structure and deal with the issues that she has. Advocates argue her actions were the result of the trauma she faced. Right. Many of the things that we heard during the trial around not only what she experienced, but also her reactions to that are very common trauma reactions for survivors. Thank Piper's you. Circumstances That's literally what I just said. You, you suffer through trauma, you're going to have a visceral reaction when you get the chance to be free. And you will burn everything down because you never want to see that person again. So for them to do this to her, and she's such a young, beautiful woman or girl, 
who, who now has to, to remember this, not even just after getting away from this man, but now for five years, she must be held down by the judicial system. And, and, and also, I think she's also forced to go and speak to young girls about her experience. Not uncommon. Of the more than 25,000 cases of children who had run away and were reported missing to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in 2021, the center says one in six were likely victims of child sex trafficking. Lewis is not the only alleged child sex trafficking victim to kill an abuser, but she is one of the few to avoid prison time after such a crime. That, that does feel in some ways like a win, though to be really real and really frank, the way that our criminal legal system works, five years probation in a controlled facility um, means that you don't have any wiggle room. That day, a combination that's, that's of what I just said. Yeah. took place. No wiggle room. Resulting in the death of a person as well as stolen innocence of a child. Maya Eaglin joins us now. Maya, this is a really sad and, and complicated story. What's next for Piper? Where will she go now? So Piper spent the last two years in a juvenile detention center. She completed her GED, and now prosecutors are recommending that she head to a women's facility. The judge even mentioning that that facility will help provide her the structure to successfully complete that probation period. You mentioned there was a GoFundMe page. How much has she been able to raise? So, so far, over $260,000 from over 6,000 donations. And that, and that number is, um, is, has been updated um, as of... September 18th, which was two days, oh, I'm sorry, a few days ago. Um, the GoFundMe has now, and if you see on my screen here, uh, is now at half a million dollars, um, which is, you know, amazing. And I hope that, you know, that they make sure they get this money to her. This person was 37 years old, raped her repeatedly over the course of weeks in 2020. Um... They actually charge her with first-degree murder. Oh my God! I mean, we should be able to sue these people as as citizens, you know, for not representing us. Because you can't be a citizen in this country and really think that this young girl should face probation, first-degree murder, and have to pay someone. Right? You should not. I, I don't think any woman or man would agree that she should face what she's facing right now. So it looks like she's netted over $540,000 in donations, um, more than three times the amount owed to Brooks's family, which is, <laughs> how do you give a rapist and a kidnapper family $130,000? So why? Because, you know, you usually, that usually happens in, in, in a, um, kind of where if something happens to someone and they die, their family gets money because, you know, they were like a good family member, a good part of the community, something like that, where they get some kind of relief, you know. But how to, <laughs> excuse me, how in the hell, because <laughs> I was going to F you guys up just now <laughs> with the F word, um, how is it that a black teenager who was trafficked and raped by your the the person in your family, you get paid a hundred and and what was it hundred thirty thousand dollars because your your family is hundred fifty thousand dollars because you lost a member of your family. You know I gotta say I don't want you a part of my family. 
I'm, I'm happy you're not there anymore because you were going to bring disgrace. Of, you should be thought of as bringing disgrace upon my family rather than anything else. Ugh. This is what we face. And there's another story um, about uh, something that I thought was pretty ridiculous. Um, here in Georgia, in Atlanta, um, there's a man, uh, his name is Shaka Zulu, uh, who's managed Ludacris and, and other people, who is facing something similar, I kind of think. He's facing uh, murder charges and, and whatnot, aggravated assault charges from this crazy district attorney that we have here in, in Atlanta who's, who has a, a reckoning against rappers and black males, and she's also black. Um, and as I said on this show, there are not, there is not a shortage of black people who don't hate black people because I know that they've been taught that by various um, media or mediums of the media. Um, but she is out of freaking control with this. Okay, the man. There's a video of this this incident where this guy Shaka Zulu is walking from a club or or something like that, and he uh, these guys were waiting for him. They were they plotted to wait for him to come to where his car was. They were actually standing by his car. They then jumped him. Right, they jumped him, were kicking him in the head and all that. Punched his assistant in the face, a female assistant. They punched her in the face a few times. He shot one of the guys, and now he's going. Uh, he has all these charges against him. I mean, how do you defend yourself in this country anymore? How how can you how can you be free in this country and and live prosper prosper uh, prosperly? Is that the right word? <laughs> Um, where you are attacked, brutalized, and then you face charges. Should I die? Should I continue to be raped and trafficked? These are the questions I have. Uh, comment below if you're on YouTube watching. Um, please comment below your thoughts and ideas on, on these kind of things. Um... This is something that's happened to me, actually. Um, white employees allegedly refused to deposit casino check for a black woman. Um, let, let me get right into it before we start any talking. A Detroit woman is filing a federal lawsuit against a Michigan bank alleging. A Detroit woman is filing a federal lawsuit against a Michigan bank alleging that white employees refused to cash and deposit a casino check that was given to her. Lizzie Pugh, she says that she won the money after playing slots at a Michigan casino. She says that the three white bank employees told her the five-figure check was fake and refused to give it back to her. The bank eventually gave it back to the woman who says that she got it cashed at a nearby Chase Bank. I mean, great to know that the, the, the check was able to be cashed because first off here, I know I have a family history of casino, casino people, so I know that it takes long hours sometimes you are there for all day to get to make this money and so i put hard-earned money in our open because that is hard-earned money you could it's my sometimes people are cashing their rent to make this money so when you cash a five-figure check you want that check to be cashed without any problems yeah. and so to know that there are three white employees that had the audacity and the gall to deny this check one it is not your money miss bank teller person it's not your money let the let the 
the bank system thingy with the, the let them figure it out not you right you know and that's the thing with um white people at times and i'm i've said on the show i'm not going to keep breaking it down to oh only some white people this and that y'all know who's not racist and y'all know who's playing the damn card as y'all say we play the card y'all playing the damn game all right you like to try to act like police more than what your actual job is your job is not to do this or that your job is to do what it says in when you were hired and not to investigate you are not the investigator you are not the person that is to prove someone's being uh, fraudulent. That's supposed to go through the system. Now, if it looks like a, a, you know, you can see when something looks fake, counterfeit. But when she gives you a check and you wouldn't challenge that if it was a white person. You only wanted to challenge that because she was black. And that's horrible. Because I've had the same issue. Okay? I've had the same issue where I went to uh, get a certain amount of money that was in my account. And then they wanted, I had ID, I had my, my uh, debit card, and I knew my pen. Oh, we don't do, oh, we, you know, all this kind of stuff to try to hold me up and see if I'm going to run away. And that's what they do. They want to ask you multiple questions and I don't need to prove nothing to you. Who the hell are you? You just a teller, okay? Now, if I provide all these kind of things to you and then you still are investigating me, that's not your job. It's not your job to investigate. Your job is to process what I gave to you and then then let whoever else go and do their job if it's fraudulent. Hold on to this money. It's not your personal money. Like, how dare you? I mean, banking while black, it's a real, it's a real issue. Right? I have a friend who here in L.A. went to a bank in Century City with a, a nice bigger check and they refused to cash it because of the way he was dressed. He makes a lot of money, works in commercial real estate, and they refused to cash his check. He had to literally call the man who was white to come vouch for him for them to cash his check. It's a real thing. And, and look at um, that. He had to get a white savior to come in and say, hey, he's one of the good ones. You know, that's what it feels like always. It doesn't feel like anything else. But you had to go get a white savior to come and, and verify you. But y'all keep saying that America isn't racist. Y'all keep saying that we just played a race card. I'm sick of it. Or that we're woke. You know, they like to use that word woke now for, to, to, to categorize us. That's a, that's a new thing that they're doing now. That the woke crowd, when they say things like that, they're talking about black people, just so you know. Couple problems I have, you know, like first of all, it's a casino within your community, and you know they're making money. Like, and thirty-one thousand dollars is nothing to that casino, right? And you've probably seen this check like this before, but yet because this black you. woman walks in, yeah, walks in with thirty-one thousand dollars, which is a drop in the bucket for them. I like That's nothing. I like what you said, Jimmy. I have people to go and spend their last check when it comes Last. to gas or food, so they can flip it just to pay Absolutely. the rent. So Absolutely. we know what happens. People of color are very guilty of doing it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's unfortunate. So for her to be treated that way, we're so yeah, it's just sad. But you want us to have empathy. And, and the thing is, is that there are so many black people who give credence to, to these kind of things and, and really believe that not all this or that or not all white people are this. Not, and, and I don't even think that way, right? But I do have this, not, I don't want to say fear, right? I don't know what word I want to use. 
But I don't play too tough with a white person just out in the streets. I really just don't, especially living in Georgia, I'm going to say that. I do not. I don't really just come up to them and talk to them. I really won't unless I really need to. Um, a worker or something, you know what I mean? I just won't because I don't know what kind of reaction I'm going to get from you. It's never like a black person is out there attacking white people. That's not, that's really low. That, that number of a white, a black person going out and attacking white people is highly low. But the reverse conversation on that is pretty high. But then we're looked at as this and that. It's a shame that we have to live this way. Here's the 12 year old who um, was attacked by a, a white woman. And I've talked about this, and I think me and Larry talked about it um, a little bit. But let's get into the story. I'm trying to be nice to you. In Florida, you have a great day. This woman is angry at a 12 year old. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not going to touch my phone. The boy and his friends had been in the streets. The young man tells his pals to take his hoverboard. Grab my hoverboard. This is my property. You're not going to touch my property. No, 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 no. This is my property. My phone is my property. It doesn't matter. It's still my property. You do not have the right to touch my phone. It doesn't matter if my name's on it. It's still my property. I will. I have the right. This is this is public property. I can record you. I can record your face. I'm going to record your license plate. If you assault me, I will get you arrested. I will get you arrested. Ruin your life, ma'am. You're not wearing any shoes. <laughs> Are you gonna? I tried to. I tried to apologize. Quit walking towards me. Quit walking towards me. You assault me, and I will assault you. You was, don't assault me. Don't. Ass yep. Karen just made fun of a kid with a list. Don't make fun of him because he has a list. Who cares? All right, whatever. You have a great day. You have a great day. Look at her. You know this is disgusting. And this is what these people do, these alleged Karens. And I hate to call them Karens anymore because they have really diluted the word Karen into just anything, really, at this point. Um, this is a racist person. I don't like calling them Karens anymore uh, just because they, they've, you know, attacked many different races and, and then they call them Karens. And it, it's not just about black anymore. We got this term Karen because they were attacking black people. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it was diluted to everyone else because white women and white males do feel like they have a privilege to, to do this or do that. Like I, like I was at the, um, I'll tell you a story. Here's a Karen that I had, a Karen, a racist woman. Um, <laughs> here I am at the pool, uh, recently and I go for uh, pool uh, therapy and, um, this woman wants to ask me if I'm getting in the pool. Why are you asking me anything? And why are you speaking to me? Because the first thing I ask her is, yes, I am getting in the pool. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, I was just... Okay, so why, what do you... You're not the lifeguard, and which I asked her also. Are you the lifeguard? No, no, because I knew there was no lifeguards on duty because it said it against the wall in large print. So I asked her, are you the lifeguard? Because why are you speaking to me? They have this privilege that they believe is valid. You don't have no privilege over me or anyone else. You are upset that I am allowed to swim right next to you or that I am, am riding my hoverboard like this young boy 
or like I am barbecuing, like I am laughing in the gym, which happened recently where a white lady got mad at a black woman for laughing in the gym. You're laughing too loud. It scared me. She's saying that they have no business being in the road, but there are no sidewalks, idiot. Why don't you talk to your congressman? Why don't you talk to your mayor about why there's no sidewalks for children to, to be on? Where are they supposed to go? How are they supposed to get to, to this and that if they can't, if they're not allowed to drive? Most kids ride their bike. Most kids ride their skateboards. But here you are saying you have no business being in the road. You always try to find some reason to bother a black person, and then you go home and you jump on your message boards and you hide behind your keyboards. There is a reckoning. We're not fucking with y'all no more. Okay? I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, we're not fucking with you anymore. You have this 12-year-old who, who did a great job, by the way. Let's clap for him. Okay? Because he, he put it down on her. Look at her. Do something. Your parents do something. Do something. Do something. Assault me. I dare you. I won't ruin my life. Do exactly. You know. Like, dude, I'm not even gonna. You're not even worth my time. I'm not gonna cuss you out. I'm not gonna say anything. I tried being nice to you. I tried telling you just to move on. You did. Here's the beginning. You were a Oh my god. You are so f***ing Oh my god. You can just go. Have a great day. Sorry about what happened. I'm trying to be nice to you. Or not, a 12 year old is dominating this parent. You don't know where I live. Oh, is that a threat? Is that a threat? Is that a threat? Let me get this license plate. Let's get that license plate. Oh, yeah. License plate. I love him. This is the child I want. Wow. So she drives off and then tried to back up into him. She should be arrested. I bet you she wasn't arrested. There's her white rage. Disgusting. Listen, listen, listen. 
Thank God. There's her license plate. Yeah, because you just tried assaulting me. You realize you you caught your car in reverse and went straight towards me. I have on video of you going back and then coming straight towards me. Oh, really? I'm not. I'm talking about five seconds ago when you were over right here and you cut in reverse and went straight towards me. Given the right fender, clearly this woman has a history of crashes. Let's. Yeah, we got all this on camera. I'll have a great time. I'll have a great time. Disgusting. Disgusting. Not these days. This is this is not just these days. Unfortunately, you know, this is probably the first time he's had to deal with a, a racist person. Uh, let me read this description. In Florida, a Karen, a racist, gets outclassed by an informed child, watches this 12-year-old stays calm and composed while schooling this barefoot racist woman. Um, and the fact that she was barefoot, I mean, you are really gross. You're gross. You're just walking around. You're just driving with the pedal, dirty foot lady, you nasty trollop. And then arguing with children and trying to hit children with your car. Ugh. We'll be back. All right. We are back. Uh, time to talk a little Trumpy. A little Trumpy. Trumpy has been hit with a $250 million fraud lawsuit. Let's get right into it because there's a lot to talk about. Now to that new lawsuit sending shockwaves through the Trump Organization. New York State's Attorney General sued the former president and three of his children today, accusing them of, quote, staggering fraud in their real estate dealings. The state is seeking a quarter of a billion dollars and looking to effectively put the Trumps out of business in New York. Here's CBS's Robert Costa. Claiming you have money that you do not have <laughs> does not amount to the art of the deal. Black or white or Hispanic or Asian. You can't do that. So for the ones out there who are going to defend him, you cannot do what he does. And he should not be allowed to. He's a private citizen. And let's be clear, this is something that he's always done. This is not the first time he's been alleged at doing this. He has over seven bankruptcies before he was president. Okay? So you cannot do what he does. So defending him, I don't know why you're defending him at this point. The sweeping lawsuit unveiled today by New York State Attorney General accuses the former president and his children of lying for more than a decade about his wealth and his company. Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. In a more than 200-page civil lawsuit, Letitia James said Trump inflated his value by billions, defrauding insurers and lenders in violating state law and potentially federal laws too. Also named as key players, three of Trump's adult children, Ivanka, Eric, and Don Jr., plus two former executives. It's mighty serious. It could essentially extinguish the Trump Organization in New York and be a, a body blow, maybe a fatal body blow to his entire empire and brand. James said the Trumps made wild claims about the worth of nearly every one of their marquee properties, from Mar-a-Lago in Florida to his Manhattan buildings. She pointed to his apartment high above Trump Tower, 
and said he claimed it was 30,000 square feet when it was less than 11,000 and overvalued it at 327 million, which James said was a deliberate lie. No apartment in New York City has ever sold for close to that amount. James is seeking to recover $250 million in allegedly unlawful profits and a permanent ban on Trump and his children from serving as top leaders in any New York company. See, it's not even about going after Trump or this witch hunt that you guys out there who believe in this man, who really, all you believe in is, in, in the fact is, all you really, really believe in is that he's racist. You won't actually say why you believe in him, right? Because this, this is a man who's been in bed with Russia, who were, we've been against forever, and I've talked about several times, we've always been against Russia and what they've done. He's in bed with Putin. He's in bed with North Korea, Kim Jong-un. We've always had problems with them. You know, he's in bed with China, which he's always trying to make fun of and put down, but he has several business acquisitions and business agreements with them. And you guys keep saying, you know, make it about America, make America great again. But he has all his businesses are built on lies. And they've been built on lies for years upon you. This is not his first time getting in trouble with, with people. Um, this is not his first time at all. But you keep allowing this thought that people are just trying to go after him because he's Donald Trump more than anything. No, he's breaking laws. And of course... Um, he has something to say about that, so let's get into that. Well, Jim and Lauren, the lawsuit says that the former president inflated his income by billions of dollars in order to enrich himself and others, including his children. It also says he overstated the value of Mar-a-Lago. Now, it's the latest legal problem for Trump, who's considering a run let's for skip ahead president. A little bit. He says Trump did this with the help of his three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric and two former Trump Organization officials. James says the lawsuit follows a three-year investigation, interviews with more than 65 witnesses, and a review of millions of documents submitted by Trump and others. James said Trump valued his Mar-a-Lago resort as high as $739 million, when it should have been valued at about $75 million. Mar-a-Lago was valued on the false premise that it sat on unrestricted property and could be developed for residential use. A portion of the 280-page complaint zeroes in on another property in South Florida. The lawsuit says the statements were used to obtain and maintain favorable loans over at least an 11-year period, including Deutsche Land Bank's extension of a $125 million loan, or combination of loans, in connection with the Trump Organization's purchase of the property known as Trump National Doral. Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of assets to induce banks to lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms than would otherwise have been available to the company. In response, Alina Haba, an attorney for Trump, said the lawsuit is neither focused on the facts nor the law. Despite the latest news, James Sofa says he remains solidly behind Donald Trump. He is for the people and not for the politicians or the special interests. <laughs> That was see, and this is what I'm saying. He's for the people. What he's not done anything for you people. 
you white people, you Hispanic people, you Asian people who are behind Trump, and some of you little black people who I don't really acknowledge. He's not done anything for you. He's only used himself uh, becoming president and being president to boost his family's financial. I mean, there's not one thing that Donald Trump has really done for y'all at all. What has he done except for be racist? And I, and I don't understand Hispanics who are behind this man, okay, because he does not like y'all. He doesn't like y'all at all. He's not for you. Maybe he, he can be for Asians, okay? Because he has a lot of uh, agreements with people in Asia. But Hispanics, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all are really sitting behind this man who doesn't care for you. Um, Trump has blasted, and I wanted them to go into this. Trump, in, in a social media post, um, he has called a general... Attorney General Letitia James, who is black, a racist and a fraud, but did not directly address the allegations of the civil lawsuit at all. He hasn't, you know, he, he doesn't talk about the facts. He only brings up that she's a racist and a fraud. So then he gives this, I, these ideas to his followers that they're just going after him because he's white. When will you guys learn? You keep thinking that this man is for you, but he's not. Um, let me get into these Palm Beach residents who share differing opinions on the lawsuit. The news of former President Trump being sued came as a surprise to some, while others who spoke with our Todd Wilson said it was only a matter of time. So we continue our team coverage with Todd joining us live now from Jupiter. Todd. Well, that's right. We're that's just funny to say, right? <laughs> Live coverage from Jupiter. But across from Trump, one of the properties that was mentioned in the lawsuit. So we thought it was best to come on out this area and try to take a listen to what some of the folks had to say around here. We hit the streets of two cities. First, we spoke with several people in Jupiter, specifically Abacoa, which is not far from Trump National Golf Club. When I see you know, people with political motivations going after him, uh, I'm, I'm suspicious of that. Support for Trump Again, not talking about the facts. Jupiter is strong, and no one in the area wanted to speak on camera against the former president. So we headed back to West Palm Beach, where we started. He's a fraudulent person. Um, he's a liar. He's sexist and everything that's... And a rapist, allegedly, right? And a rapist, allegedly. What I've been saying, so it's not, you know, it's not surprising that he's being sued. So they didn't really get much reactions. I don't. That's like two reactions, guys. What are you talking about? But, but anyway, we know that they weren't going to really talk and and say much, right? Because these people never ever talk about the facts. They say, "Oh, it's politically motivated." But if I have facts for you, why don't you ever focus on what's the topic at hand? Why do you always want to say, "Oh, it's just a witch hunt. It's just this. It's just that." Why don't you ever talk about the facts of, of what this man has done? Um, I want to get into the ladies of The View. Let's see what they have to say about this topic. You know whose legal team must be on high alert right now? <laughs> because you know who? You in trouble. Because <laughs> the troubles are mounting. 
<laughs> on the federal and on the local level, New York Attorney General Letitia James laid out her case yesterday. Yes, she did. Take a look. Okay. We saw that. Let me skip a little ahead. Do, after that happened, you know who hightailed it over to Hannity to weigh in on this lawsuit and the Justice Department resuming their investigation into the classified documents they seized from Mar-a-Lago. Watch this clip. I actually thought that they would never bring a case, and she brought it. And the reason I thought, because she didn't have a case, uh, I was of the impression she wanted to settle. This was just a so. So how do you not have a case if you have valued your property at three hundred and twenty-seven million, whatever they said, three hundred over three hundred million dollars, right? But it's really valued way far less. You've put your property at having over thirty-three thousand square feet, but it only has eleven thousand. Your other properties are the same kind of idea. How do you not have a case when you're literally defrauding? Why don't you talk about the facts? Of a witch hunt that began when I came down the escalator at Trump Tower. I didn't want to settle because. How can you, even if I paid a very small amount, you're sort of admitting guilt. Did she offer you a settlement deal? I could have said, in my opinion, I could have settled the case. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it. Because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. And there doesn't have to be a process. What are you doing, Whoopi? Um, <laughs> Manifest. Yeah. Who knew? Who, yeah. You know. Twitter would say things like he Jedi mind tricked that. <laughs> or like I dream of genie. What I will say, you know, about Letitia James, I mean, we know she's just she's just such an incredible attorney. But for him to say, like, I don't even know, this is this has nothing to do with it. You know she has receipts. It's a 220-page lawsuit. And it lays out his annual financial statements for years and years and years. And it also says that he wildly inflated the worth of nearly every one of his properties. And overall, that, that lawsuit said that 11 of his annual financial statements included more than 200 false and misleading asset valuations. You can get put in jail for just doing that one one thing, just just but you one. Again and again, if you are a regular person and you do this, you will be locked up. The only reason why you are giving him credence is because his name is Donald Trump. He hosted a show called The Apprentice, and then he became president. And he became a racist president for you. He became your racist king that was just like you, just like your hate. Just like the, the hate you spew, he was that. Exaggerates everything. The, the crowd is enormous. You know, uh, remember, remember Marla Maples had to be forced to put on the cover of uh, the New York Post, best sex I ever had. You know he put her up to that. <laughs> He'll go to jail and be like, this cell was the biggest, the most beautiful cell I've ever been in. Uh, 14,000 square foot cell I'm in. <laughs> but you know, but, you know, okay, one more thing. You know, when Rosie O'Donnell went after him, everybody remembers that, right? Yeah. 
the thing that got him really ticked off, not the hair thing, he didn't care about that. It was because she went after the money. Yes. She said he doesn't have the money. He's yes. a liar and an exaggerator. And that made him so vicious. He was like a vicious animal. He really I, I, was. I, I was. That's, that's what I was going to right. add to. Because Lauren yeah. Shrive, who's a professor at Harvard, I think he's a, just one of our greatest legal minds, he said that the fact that this is exposing him in a business sense, that he doesn't have any money, mm -hmm. is more important to him than being in an orange yeah. federal jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. And I think that orange is, is the new orange. Orange is the new. <laughs> orange. It matches blush. Oh my God! All Wait. that blush and lacquer he puts on his face—it'll match all of it. He's so giddy. The <laughs> I know. Somebody try to contain Joy's excitement for her. But I've been there before, this is though, Alyssa, and I've gotten excited, and it's amounted to nothing. He's still there, so I'm trying to temper myself. You got to temper. <laughs> You do have to temper. The, okay. This is objectively his worst week because this is this one uh, New York civil suit is significant. Um, I was talking to a very good attorney yesterday who said this could bankrupt the Trump organization. It could cause it to fold. Even if he doesn't wind up in jail, that alone, I think, is very significant for his family. Yeah. But he also, the ongoing January 6th investigation, the yeah. DOJ grand yeah. jury, the yeah. Fulton County, Georgia investigation. Ejon yeah. Carroll is now able to file oh, yeah. a suit. And the Fulton County thing... Um, we talked about on the show here, um, I think two shows back, or perhaps, um, where we saw actual elected or election officials allowing his people into, um, not, not the back door, she allowed him in through the front door to commit fraud, uh, voter fraud. About her sexual assault allegations against yeah. him from the 90s. It is, the chickens are coming home to roost. And as somebody who worked for Donald Trump, can I say this? He tried to defraud the American public in the election. He lost. He lied about it. Yep. He tried to put up fake electors. This is what he's done his entire life. Yeah, absolutely. The American people. And she worked with him, okay? Well, I know his kids participated uh, willingly. But the thing that comes to mind is those Trump kids have never done anything but Trump business. And as a parent, when you go into doing something like this and you know there's risk, if they were knowingly involved, which I don't question they were, how do you not at least protect your children? Well, didn't Ivanka like, have from, some shoes and jewelry and stuff like that, too, though? Well, to be honest, yeah, she's had some, you're right, she's had some sites, but business in general, and yeah. this business particularly, because one of the things Letitia James is asking for was about the five-year ban on Trump entering any real estate deals. And when I was listening to this, I kind of thought yeah. what you did, Joy, like, here it goes again, but nothing's going to happen. It's a lot of paperwork. That would bankrupt them because for that time, and this is according to ABC News' Aaron Kaczorski, he wouldn't be able to not only conduct real estate transactions, that includes uh, collecting rent on any of his properties or, oh. or securing a loan to protect the longevity of holding the building. You know what's interesting? You mentioned that the kids. There she goes. There she goes. Oh, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned the children. You know, I, I don't have siblings, and so, but I hear about the sibling rivalry about, you know, I, some, one kid hates that they're, they're the favorite of the other kid. Tiffany Trump is nowhere to be found no, with this. Good but for Tiffany her. is not involved with <laughs> She this. ended she's up being here. the favorite yeah. kid because she's the one who's not going well, to jail. she's not the favorite. She's the one who's going to say yeah. She's yeah. the one not going to jail. Yeah. She, she, Lock him up. Lock him up. Um, uh, Trump in drag, as I like to call her, uh, Representative Taylor Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, you know, she's the biggest one. She's, I think, maybe even worse to him with her racism. 
Um, she's actually assaulting people now. An activist. I believe she was a climate activist. She just confronted some young activists. An activist. I believe she was a climate activist. She just confronted uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Remember her? <laughs> She'll be gone soon, like Michelle Bachman. But we'll talk about it. Let's have a last hurrah for her. Anyway, this activist uh, confronted her about gun reform and went about as well. Oh, that's what it was. And went about as well as you think. So watch. She did kick but her. But people deny it. Do you think that she could? Did you see it? This is the first time I'm watching it. I mean, it looks like she was walking in front of her and she tripped. I'm the first, I'm the first like to be able to call out Marjorie Taylor Greene yeah. because I think she's a horrid person. But um, I don't know if that's an intentional kick. I mean, she's like a CrossFit person. If she wants to kick somebody, but she has a history of of, of of some kind of bias. I mean, she went after that that kid, David Hogg. Yeah. Well, that was horrible. She went after him. She uh, she accosted um, uh, AOC at one time. Mm -hmm. She's uh, she's I the kind of girl I grew up with. I need slow motion almost. It looks well, like she stepped on the back of her heel. That's what she did. Oh yeah, she kicked her. She kicked her. <laughs> she kicked her. The second the second now, one looks. Wow. If you see it, uh, and you can see this on YouTube on um, while we watch it here, um, she definitely kicked her. And wow. The fact that we're even having this conversation has shown us how far our standards of civility and decorum have gone. Really? That's what I, I, I really keep pushing out there to people is that, like, not to sway away from this, uh, this conversation, but there was a post someone put up about how people now well, men nowadays aren't romantic at all. And I'm just like, well, have you seen what we are being fed? We're not being fed, you know, things about being married, uh, going on dates. It's just sex and nudity and, and, and all these things. And you have to really keep seeing the violence that these kind of people, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and others who, you know, the insurrectionists, the traitors of this country, um, who committed treason on January 6th, um, they have only seen violence recently and they commit to violence and they like violence. And if you see that clip, again, um, which I'm going to run back here and let it play while I talk, um, this kick that she did to this lady uh, on the back of her shoes. So the lady is walking in front of her, but she's asking her questions. She's not just, she's a, she's a reporter just like I am. And she's using her phone to record the question that she's asking her. You see her literally kick her, and Marjorie Taylor Greene starts saying something, um, you know, kind of like, kind of like, well, get out of my way, then. You know what I mean? That's something you know you do when people are annoying you. And she was definitely annoyed by her questions. She was standing, she was walking in front of her. The lady did not change her tempo of speed, um, and you see her kick her. Um, these people will stop at nothing. You know, they'll make fun of uh, people who are disabled. They'll have all these rape accusations, Donald Trump, you know, um, and, and they'll still have support. And I'm just waiting for the moment when Donald Trump is exposed for being something towards white people or taking something away from white people that finally the white people um, and the Hispanics and the Asians 
you know, I'm, I can't wait for the day that something like that comes out about uh, him and those kind of people. Um, this last topic I'm going to get into, which is just really disgusting. Um, these, these, these migrants have been bussed around um, from the border, uh, shall I say, and been thrown into cities like Chicago and even Newark, I think I saw. And um, it actually happened where these, these migrants who are trying to come to America and get away from the visceral violence that is being uh, done in Mexico and obvious other places, they um, were bused to Kamala Harris's house, uh, who's the vice president, if you don't know, you should know. Um, they were bused to right outside of her residence. A feud between uh, Republican governors and Democrat-led cities over immigration is escalating to an all-new level. Dozens of migrants from Texas are being taken to shelters after being dropped off outside Vice President Kamala Harris's house in D.C. Now, Massachusetts lawmakers are also slamming Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for flying migrants to Martha's Vineyard. NBC News reporter Gary Grumbach joins us now. He's in Washington today. So, Gary, I want to start with a tweet that we just got from uh, the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, here. We'll put it up on the screen. This morning, two Texas buses of migrants arrived at the Naval Observatory in D.C., the vice president's residence. B.P. Harris claims our border is secure and denies the crisis. We're sending migrants to her backyard to call on the Biden administration to do its job and secure the border. So, Gary, first off here... You know, the one thing is, is that they keep saying that they don't want these people in, uh, in America because, you know, they're rapers and murderers and all these things. But then you spread them out. You send them to other cities in this country. So what are you actually doing? Right? You're trying to be funny. You're trying to play with people's lives. And it's horrible. And those who support this, this idea that, you know, well, oh, well, well, they said that there's no problem, so send them out there. Um, you're still pushing these people that you, you claim are rapers and murderers and such a danger to society. You're still pushing them out to other Americans. What's being done with these migrants that have now been shipped to that area, and, and what's the White House saying at this point? Yeah, Aaron, as you mentioned, Washington, D.C. is not new to migrants being bussed into the city. It's something that's been happening from the governor of Texas since April. So they've got systems and planning, plans in place for when this happened. D.C. government has stood up an office of migrant services. There's church groups and volunteer organizations that help these migrants get food, water, shelter, and help them plan for the future. But that's not what happened today because those volunteers were ready downtown. Everyone was caught off surprise when the buses stopped here in far northwest D.C. Aaron, you know D.C. well. This is a very residential area, and it's where the vice president lived. So for about a half an hour, there was some bewildered Secret Service agents and 101 men, women, and children that were just sitting here, and the White House press secretary is not happy about that. Take a listen. The fact that, the, that Fox News and not the Department of Homeland Security, the city, or local NGOs were alerted about a plan to leave migrants, including children, on the side of a busy D.C. street makes clear that this is just a cruel, premeditated political stunt. And they, they always hate when it's a political stunt against Trump, but how can you not see this as a stunt and nothing but a stunt? How can you not? 
How can you not at all? How can you just say this is something that should be done? These are people. These are human beings who don't have anywhere to go. They're coming to this country to, you know, and at this point, I don't know why the hell you're still coming to this country. I get they're trying to uh, evade violence and stuff, but don't you see what's going on here? I mean, you probably don't. I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't really say that to them, but I'm just trying to figure out why you would still be coming here at all. You know, when these people are doing this to your people, you can see, or maybe, like I said, maybe you don't see them. Maybe you don't see them doing anything. <laughs> Sorry, that was my dog being crazy. Um, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a nutcase. Um, um, how, how do you, you know, like I said, maybe they don't see this at all, but someone should be telling these people that, you know, there is no real, I don't know, I don't know what to say. There's no real um, glory of coming here the way that they are coming here at all. But I guess if, you know, your life's on the line, your children's life's on the line, you will do whatever it takes, but to use these people as pawns or a political scheme and put them in, in danger, well, you know, I guess they're not in danger if they're going to, on these buses and whatnot, but you just never know what could happen, right? If you just throw someone on, on a bus and just send them to D.C. or send them to Chicago, other places, Martha's Vineyard, and you expect them to flourish, you, you don't expect them to flourish. You're literally trying to put them in a position where other politicians have to take care of them instead of actually embracing them. Because I believe that's a part of America's whole ideology, right? Is that we'll take in your poor, we'll take in your weak. But you're not doing that. You're only doing it for yourselves. Um, you're not doing it for people of brown and black colored skin, which I've talked about uh I think season one, um, what, what America has done and has treated Haitians uh, who've also wanted to leave that country and come and, and, be, and start a new life here in America. Um, but they only will help out, you know, people from Ukraine, um, pretty much anyone who does not have black and brown skin. Um, it's a very, I, I feel, racist move. Um, and racism is not just towards black people and at all, you know, racism is what it is. It's white supremacy. And this is just another move in white supremacy. Um, this show is pretty long today. Um, but I'm very happy that it was what it was because I did have my first ever guest on the show, Larry. Thank you again for coming through. Uh, make sure you check him out. Um, 50 yard stitch is his handle on IG and his event coming up. Uh, of course, we're going to have more questions as always. The questions never, ever stop. Please like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Please keep listening as you are on streaming services. I totally appreciate you. Um, and, you know, if you are against some of my views, hey, come on. Let's go talk. Let's have an actual discussion. But one thing we have to always do is talk about facts. And that's the only thing I push is facts. Can't talk about things being, um, you know, witch hunt and all these kind of things where you just kind of muddle down what's being talked about or muddle down the facts. I really implore you 
to stick with the facts. And if you are out there and you're a person who um, gets in arguments with, you know, people, as I was called, a liberal, or you're just a liberal, you're just a this, you know, fine, call me liberal. But what about the facts? What about them? Why don't you talk about them? Why can't you have a conversation about what we're actually talking about? Um, I'm your host with the Moses, and I will see you next time. This is I've Got Questions. Peace out.